Welcome back, everybody, to the Listen In Podcast. We have a very, very special episode for you. Very. Very special. We are counting down our top 100 albums of the decade. This is very exciting. This episode, Jake, I think is one that we've both kind of been looking forward to since we started the podcast. Let's talk about that for a minute because we started this podcast in December of 2015. Wow. Talking about like just about the exact midpoint of the decade or a little after. Um, And here we are. We just talked on the, if you want to listen to the post show, we did kind of a decade in review thing. Sean very eloquently summed up what this decade will mean historically. Um, But for us, this was a decade that, you know, it was our coming of age. A lot of great music that we're going to talk about now. And we both had to leave off scores of albums from these lists. I I have an honorable mentions list just as long as my top 100 that I couldn't fit in here. Uh, And then I have an honorable mentions to that list. Exactly. No, it's true. I have tiered lists. I think it shows how much music we consumed this decade and how seriously we took it. That we have all of these lists and notes and Spotify folders and playlists that we can refer back to. to That we really documented our entire musical journey of this decade on. And you think back, Jake, to 2010. Um, I mentioned this in the after show, pre-show. We were in high school. Our yep. music taste was still developing. We were still learning about what we liked, what we didn't like. I wasn't even listening to rap music yet. I know. You know, like so many things have changed over this decade in a lot of different ways. And I think our lists end up showing that change. That's part of what is so difficult about making a decade spanning list like this because, um, and we're going to talk about this, but our top 10s and our top 20s, I think it's safe to say they skew pretty heavily early decade. And I think nostalgia plays a part in that. Um, Time in life plays a part of that yeah. too. I mean, from 2010 to 2014, we were in our late teens, very early 20s. Uh, those are very formative years where emotions. I, I was going to say, I, I think y- you're feeling so much yeah. at those ages and you're experiencing so much for the first time. And the music that you end up listening to is obviously soundtracking those experiences and emotions. And that's going to leave an imprint on you. So, yes. I, I mean, it helps to have some time in between and in some remove and some historical context, but also it can't be discounted the strong emotions that were at play with a lot of our 2010 to 2015 albums compared to maybe the latter half of the decade where it was very much like we're into adulthood now. Well, another challenge for me was balancing, you know, an album I loved from 2010, 2011. It's like... How much of this is just nostalgia? Yeah. And then I think about an album from 2017, 2018, 2019 too. How much of this that is is me trying to balance that yeah, out? How exactly. much of it is, is maybe even recency bias? So, yeah, and that's a great point. And I think lists like this are, are fraught from the beginning. Because you're always having to weigh all of those different criteria. It's not an exact science. We were both talking about before this that every time we looked at this list, we were we were changing things. So this is truly a snapshot in time. These are our top 100 albums on November 20th, 2019. Yeah. Um. And, and the other thing too is like, this isn't our lists are not what we think are the definitive best albums of the decade or the not greatest. These are our favorites. I would say sometimes. 
that overlaps with like the greatest albums of the decade. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they're they're just kind of our favorites or the ones that we had a strong connection to or we listened to a lot. Yeah. And that's another challenge is that you throw in the already complex nostalgia versus recency variables and you take into that objective best, which is like, what is that? Does that even exist? Versus subjective favorites. Mm -hmm. And those are four variables that are in a lot of ways like impossible to actually reconcile. And so you end up, for me, let's talk a little bit about process, right? I know we're going to do that. Yeah. What I did was I took a look. I had documented albums starting in 2015 with the with the first year we did the podcast. Mm-hmm. So for 2010 through 2014, I had to go back. I looked at all the Pitchfork lists and I just Googled best album of that year. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down every one I remember listening to. Yep. And then I ended up with this master spreadsheet of probably like near a thousand. It was like several hundred total albums yep. from each year. And I just went through and marked them with, it was kind of like a playoff tiering yeah, system. Yeah, like, Z was one where I was like, this is a potential top 10, top 15. Y, that's middle of the pack. X, I could see making the top 100 Mm -hmm. in the bottom third. And I ended up with what I knew would happen, which was like a list around 200. And sorting the top 20 or so was maybe the easiest part for me, I think, actually. It was sorting past there and figuring out what are the albums that are going to just miss the cut at 100 that I'm just going to decide I'm not mentioning on this podcast. It's tough to do. That's a really good point. And and yeah, I I did something similar. I kept pretty exhaustive records. uh, Honestly, knowing that this day would come and I was looking forward to it. And also the way that I... You're better prepared. The way that I've structured my Spotify account is like a crazy person. First of all, I have folders within folders within folders. I have an entire folder that is filled with every album that I would like if CD collections were still a thing, I basically treat it as like my CD collection or nice. music library where I basically just make a playlist of every album that I love and put it into my overall music folder. But what I did was I went back, I ranked my top 15 albums for every year from 2010 to 2019 and then from there I basically went across and I said okay of my number ones which one is actually my favorite of the number ones and my rule was once I pick an album from one of the years Mm -hmm. that's the uh, then I can like unlock the next album so like for like for example if I compare that two against all the other exactly so it's like like okay do I like this second one as much or better or worse than the other number ones I haven't picked. And then I worked my way down, like, going back and forth. This sounds kind of like Solitaire. It, but with, it, with, it was exactly like Solitaire, actually. But with yes. ranking albums. Yes, okay. exactly. So, so different processes, same result, ultimately. Yes. A list of 100 albums. Yes. Um, and before we dive in, Jake, I think it'd be interesting if we did a couple of quick numbers here. So I would like to know... The breakdown of the years yep. from the 2010s and how many albums you had represented on your list from each of the years. Okay. Um, so for uh, for me, I actually had a pretty even breakdown. I had 10 albums represented from 2010, 2011, and 2012. Little bit of a dip. I had seven represented from 2013 and eight from 2014. I had another 10 from 2015. 2016 with the highest representation at 14 albums. 2017, second most with 12. 2018 had 10, and then 2019 had 9. So overall, pretty even. 2016, and I think for you that was the same. You had a yeah. lot from 2016. And I, I would say I 100 off the bat, year. 
2016 is, I think, by far the strongest year we had. It Real is good. loaded. Real good. Loaded. So my breakdown, I had from 2010, I had 8. Uh, 2011, I had 6. 2012, I had 13. I also dip in the next year. 2013 was by far my le- least, 4. Which wow. is I, which surprised me, actually, yeah. when I looked back. 2014, I had 8. 2015, I had 12. 2016, I had 18. Wow. Yeah, which feels like Big a lot. Year. 2017, year, 9. 2018, 13. Mm. And then 2019, 9. Nice. So mine was a little more sort of, a little more up and down. But if you take into account the skew from 2016 to 2013, there's some numbers in there that are also pretty even. Yeah. I have a handful of 8s, 9s. I actually have no 10s, which is weird. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, and then uh, you did mention that we had a much higher concentration of the early decade yeah. in our top 10 and 20, I would say. It's a lot of 2010, 11, 12. And then from there, it's really sparse in terms of the latter half of the decade. I think I only have like two or three from 2015 on so which will be revealed as we go through the list too that's right um um before we start the countdown and the way that we're going to do the countdown is we're going to start at 100 jake's going to go 100 to 90 then i'm going to go 100 to 90 and we're going to fly through we're going to go real quick until we get down to like the top 15 then we might spend a little bit more time talking about each of these albums and, and what they meant to us um any surprise snubs or honorable mentions that didn't make it onto your list that okay. you you could have swore earlier in the decade would yeah. have definitely made it on uh if you, you want to go first because yeah, yeah yeah I, I have a few here um the weekend with house of balloons so the weekend turned into somebody like entirely different but that first mixtape by him was really really good um couple Drake albums just missed it for me. Nothing was the same. And if you're reading this, it's too late. I figured, like, look, Drake doesn't need any more publicity from anyone. But those are great albums. Um, and then Purity Ring Shrines. Did, we stoked. loved yeah. that album in 2012. It did not make my top 100. I just don't think that sound has aged very well. That's fair. Um, and I never go back to it. Uh, so th- those were some of mine. Some that uh, that I'm looking back at that surprised me. Uh, Jamie XX in color mm. didn't make the cut. Julian Baker sprained ankle. That's another one for me. Justin Timberlake 2020 experience. I, Fuck th- that album. That less, album sucks. It doesn't suck. It, it straight up doesn't that, suck. That album, and and I can't wait to get into the, this conversation. That album is a media concoction. Everyone said this album's great, and everyone believed it. That that album has like two good songs on it. That's and totally that's fair. It. I enjoyed it at the time in a way that was not cynical and was not based oh, on just fair. the media fair portrayal of it. No Kamasi Washington made the list. Same. Um, let me see. Hold on. Um, Unihon Mixtape didn't make the Interesting. list for me. Interesting. Um, the, let me see. Hold on. Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. Yeah, that did, didn't make it for me cut. either. Menzingers got cut altogether. Same. Same. Uh, Anima by Tom York ended up that, not that making missed it. it. That just missed it for me too. Um, and then I had a couple that are near the top. Uh, for me, that were the closest. Um, let me see. Hold on. I had a dream that you were mine, Hamilton and that Rostam. That didn't make it on mine. Uh, Nick Cave, Skeleton Tree. That did make it. Got cut for me. A couple more. Real Estate Days, Wild Nothing, Nocturne. No Wild Nothing for me either. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. Drugs. No um, War on Drugs. A lot of just those kind of like meat and potatoes indie rock albums that we, yep. you know, we listened to a thousand of those this decade. And... At a certain point, I was just like, this 
some of these just aren't good enough to cut it. Yeah. The other thing that ended up happening to me um, was a lot of like experimental ambient or electronic albums didn't make it into my top 100 even though i listened to a lot of them and loved a lot of them like for example Jimmy an artist Ball. like 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 um one oh tricks point never yep. or like like sepulchre or like a lot of these or sean or or fuck buttons <laughs> that's right a lot of those didn't make it for me i look at those albums a little bit differently than some of the ones that made it um so yeah, that, is there one album, Jake, that you have that you wish made it on your list, but you couldn't in good conscience put it on there? So some of the ones I just mentioned, uh, the Hamilton one, Real Estate, uh, and um, two more. The one that I had sitting like in 90 to 100 and then realized I just had to pull it because it didn't make sense was Touche Amore. Ah, uh, yeah. Four. So for me, um, Kate Bush, 50 Words for Snow, oh. just missed it. If I had gotten into that album earlier in the decade, yeah. I know oh, I, I would have gotten it on there. Um, Sufjan Stevens, the, the Age of Ads, didn't mm. make it, but I love that album. And then Follow John Misty, Fear Fun, uh, just missed the cut too. I was like, okay, I have other albums on here by him that I think are better. Yeah. I need space for other ones. I had to cut it. No Solange made the list No for Solange me. either for me. Um yeah, and, uh, another one that I listened to it for the first time the other week. Have one on me by Joanna Newsom. Yeah, look, it's <laughs> it's so good. Fair, it's so good. I can't rank it. Fair. I listened. Eve, yeah, I ha- on like November tenth, yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah. I'm not gonna, in good conscience, rank it. No, on November twentieth, twenty nineteen. Can't do if, it. If if you told if I ranked. A decade list in five years. I bet it's on there, and I bet it's like in the top fifty. Yes, it, it, same. There's a couple from this year, from 2019, that I think in five more years maybe end up on here. Like for example, that Black Midi album, Schlagenheim. Yep, me too. I guarantee you, in five more years, I'll be like, how did I not include that? Me too. Um, me too. But hey, it's a snapshot in time. Didn't make it today. One for me that's like that is Angel Olsen, my woman. There you go. I didn't. Or not my woman. What's the one that came out this year? Um, All mirrors. All mirrors. I can. Yeah, say. that. Yeah, that too. Um, so yeah, uh, we're never going to be able to include everything on here. It's so only a like, hundred slots. What we just said, we just mentioned what twenty albums, pretty much twenty five yeah. albums. Those albums are so good yep. that I would not besmirch any. I would not give anyone a second glance for putting those all. If that was a top twenty-five of someone else's, yeah, I'd be like, cool. Be those like, are all great, great albums. Top twenty-five. That's how yeah, good the decade exactly. has been. So exactly, that says something. Um, I think we're ready, Jake. I think we can dive in here. We are. Um, uh, shall I start? Yeah, you want to start with your one hundred to ninety-one? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'm excited, man. Here we go. Okay, at one hundred, Lana Del Rey, Norman Fucking. Walk yeah, Walk. nice. It snuck on there. Snuck on it's there. deserving. It is number ninety-nine. Julia Holter, Have You in My Wilderness? Yes. Number ninety-eight, Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino by Arctic Monkeys. Uh, lower than I would have thought. But it just sort of made sense to me. Number 97, Teens of Denial, Card Seed Headrest. 96, I have Daytona by Pusha T. Nice. Uh, 95, I have American Band by Drive By Truckers. Number 94, Two Hands by Big Thief, their second Mm. 2019 album of this year. You've not heard the last of them on my list. 93, uh, Kids See Ghosts. Um, 92, I have Jeff Rosenstock with Worry. Wow, yep. Number 91, I have Old Grey with Slow Burn. Wow. That's that's a pull. Wow. That's great. Uh, okay. At my 100, 
I have Mount Erie, A Crow Looked at Me. This snuck onto my list nice. basically because I've listened to this album twice ever. Yep. It made it on because it's so devastating yep. emotionally. I just I had to give it some credit. So it, it was made considered it in for my list. At number 100. 99, I have Jenny Aval with Blood Bitch. Nice. 98, The Walkman with Heaven. 97, David Bowie, Black Star. 96, I have Wild Beasts with Smother. 95, Best Coast, Crazy For You. 94, Frightened Rabbit, Pedestrian Verse. 93, Death Grips, The Money Store. Mm. Now that one, I wanted to be higher, but I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I, I just... Yeah, that's fair. You know? that's I had some of that too. Yeah. Uh, 92, I have Real Estate Days. And 91, I have Vampire Weekend with Contra. I was actually surprised at how low yep. Contra... It almost didn't make it, honestly. That's, that's fair. Um, your Walkman Heaven yeah. inclusion is another one that was very hard for me to not yeah. have on my list. Yep. That was That's in the probably like 120 up. Yep. Well, you um, got it 90 down. Number 90, I have The Dream Is Over by Pup. Number 89... I have Magdalene by FKA Twigs, yes. which I have been putting in work on yeah. in the last couple of weeks. It's excellent. Yes, it is. I could I could see realistically looking back at this list in five years and thinking that's way too low. Yes. I could also see looking back and being like, whoa. 100%. I, and you know what? I actually think it belongs where it belongs because it's coming in my next 10 as well. Nice. Uh, number 88, I have Ghostine by Nick Cave and the nice. Bad Seeds. Number 87... I have There's No Leaving Now by The Tallest Man on Earth. Not his best album. It's also in my next 10. I think it's a very important one to me emotionally. I agree. That's his 2012 album. It was perfect for 20-year-old Jake. Absolutely. Um, number 86, I have 22 A Million by Bonnie Vare. Nice. Number 85, I have Alleluia, Don't Bend, Ascend <laughs> yes. by Godspeed, You Black Emperor. Okay, that is my have one on me where I only just listened two weeks ago. Yep. I, I loved it. Yeah, I so can't good. in good conscience include it in my list though. So those even out. Yep. 84, Be the Cowboy by Mitski. Hey. 83, This Is How You Smile by Gelato Negro. Yeah. Made my list. Which I was a little surprised by. Yeah. But it felt right. Yeah, that's great. Um, number 82, Holy Ghost by Modern Baseball. Mm. Um, a band that... Crazy storyline uh, with uh, us. Dude, that the, could be a whole episode it unto it, itself. It's not worth going into. I, I didn't know where that would rank. If you had asked me in 2015, that would have been in my like top 10. <laughs> I know. Me too. Know. What a time. Um, what a time. And number 81, Singles by Future Islands. Very nice. All right. My number 90, I have The War on Drugs, A Deeper Understanding. Hell yeah. Glad Eight, that made it onto one list. It almost didn't. 89, I have Grouper with Ruins. 88, I have Angel Olsen, Burn Your Fire for No Witness. 87, Kurt Vile, Smoke Ring for My Halo. The only Kurt Vile appearance on this list for me. It's the only one on mine, too. and It, it, it is coming up on, on my list. Uh, 86, Tallest Man on Earth. There's no leaving now. Do totally I have, agree. I, I was like 87. I was like, this has to be here. Not because it's an, an excellent album. Like, Which it is, by, actually. It, it, it is, but I think a lot of people would be like, oh, this is just by the numbers indie folk. Fuck it. I love that album. It means a ton to me. Number 85, I have Radiohead, The King of Limbs. Nice. 84, FKA Twigs, Magdalene. Hell yeah, dude. 83, I have Bonnie Vare, I.I. 82, I have Grimes, Art Angels. 
And 81, I have The World is a Beautiful Place and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die with Always Foreign. Nice. Okay. I like this is shaping up as a Sean list now. Big time, right? Always Foreign is in the mix. That was also in my like considered list. Um, Number 80 for me. AM by Arctic Monkeys. I'm glad this made it on. Dude, it was never a in... controversial album for you this no, decade. No, it was never in doubt. I am just I'm I'm on the vanguard of okay. of look. I like other Arctic Monkeys sounds better. Sure. Uh, number seventy nine, Divers by Joanna Newsom. Nice. Which glad I to see that made. Realized the other day when I listened to Have One on Me, I've sneaky listened to Divers a ton. Yeah, I love that yeah. album. Um, and I, I never think I know it as well as I do, but when I put it on, I know it like it's a great album. More on that later. Seventy eight. Tira Whack with Whack World. Nice. I had such a good run with this album last year. 15 minutes, 15 songs. 77, Leonard Cohen, You Want It Darker. Great pay. I'm glad that made it on. Yep. Number 76, Beach House with Bloom. Nice. Number 75, Father John Misty, God's Favorite Customer. Nice. 74, Puberty 2 by Mitski. 73, Low for you. Is that, is that uh, a criticism? No, coming? no. Puberty 2 didn't make my list. Whoa, okay. Yep. Okay, very interesting. 73, Boy Genius EP. 72, Celebration Rock nice. by Japan Droids. And 71, Congratulations by MGMT. I was waiting. I was like, Jake will have congratulations. It's a matter of when and where. It, it That all means a ton to me, yeah. actually. And it was like really important to me. That came out in 2010. Yeah. And for... I was obsessed. This is, I won't say much more, but I was obsessed with that first album of theirs, yeah. late in high school, and this came out, and it was different in a way people didn't love, but that I immediately liked because I listened to so much classic rock that was like this. That's that's a great point. And so I was like, "This is sick." Yeah, and I remember I, feeling I, like, "Why are people not digging this?" I get it now. I think that album has aged incredibly well. It really I, I has. I think there's an, a revisionist history on that where it's like, actually, "Congratulations" might be their best album. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. kind I, of unquestionable. Yeah. Uh, okay, my number 80, Jake, I have Mitski, Be the Cowboy. 79, okay. I have Alabama Shakes, Sound and Color. Very glad that made the list. It's not on mine. That album is it's sick. So it's good. worth another listen. I listened today. I Give it a listen. It's one of the ones that every time I looked at it, I was like, yeah, should I really exclude yeah. that? It's so good. Uh, 78, I have Arctic Monkeys, Tranquility Base, Hotel and Casino. Okay, nice. A couple more Arctic Monkeys are coming soon. 77, I have Julie Byrne, Not Even Happiness. Got to meet her. We at did. 3S. That was a that was a a very tough cut for me. Beautiful album. So good. Beautiful. And every time I listened to it, like if I listened to it today, it would have been at like number ninety eight for yeah. me or something. Um, seventy six. Here's one for you, Jake. Modern baseball. You're gonna miss it all. And you know what? I'm cheating. I'm going slash perfect cast EP. Okay. Okay. You're gonna hear from both of those on my okay, list. Okay. Cool. Not I, in that way. In good conscience, I I couldn't take up two spots with. A modern baseball album and EP. I ended up doing it. So I just, I put them together. I would have rather not, but I did. Fair. Uh, 75, a representative from this year, Hand Habits, Placeholder. Nice. I love this album. 74, Fleet Foxes, Crack Up. 73, Beach House, Bloom. 72, The Hotel Year, Home Like No Place Is There. Yes. And number 71, Kanye West, The Life of Pablo. Nice. Okay. Okay. Number 70 for me. Sorority Noise, Joy Departed. Nice. This was a, a really important one for me. In There's a couple of Sorority Noise albums coming up that you're going to hear. And you might be surprised, I think, a little bit at what they are. And this one, for me, was like a big turning point in really starting to love this kind of music. 
is it as good as as the, I mean, you could debate if it's it really as good as I placed it, but I, it was very important. I um those all those albums just missed my list as well. Um, I just you know that was such a hot and heavy yeah. time of the decade for us with that type of music, and I had I had some other albums that ended up representing that time. So at number sixty nine. Nice. I had an album that I had relegated all the way down to 100 due to public shaming. Yes. And that I cranked up today yes. after Give listening again. Hang by Foxygen. I love this album. You know what, Jake? I love it. I'm surprised this wasn't a top 25 album no, for you. No, no. You dude, sycophant. It's so fucking crazy good and no one gets it. I'm gonna, I, lo- I love this take. I, we've come all the way around. Dragging this fucking cross with me until I die. <laughs> The shit they're doing on this album is nuts, and people... It, it came out in the wrong time. It's crazy. <laughs> I love it. It represents... I love it. It's like rock music meets Baroque yes, in yes. the in most insane way. It's like Mick Jagger is leading a fucking <laughs> big band. Yes, that's And people great. are like, oh, fuck it. I didn't care about it. Number 69, Amon Dune's Freedom. Nice. Um, number 67, Purity Rank Shrines. It made my list. Hey. It was, that one was just huge for me. Number 66, Casey Musgrave's pageant material. I was like, there's no way this is golden hour this low. No, pageant material. Nice. It's an excellent album. Lots nice. of good songs. Mary-Kate and I listen all the time. 65, Kanye West, The Life of Pablo. Hey. 64, Death Grips, The Money Store. Very nice. 63, Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens. 62, Swing Low Magellan. By Dirty wow. Projectors. Oh, yeah, yeah. You had a nice run with that. Amazing I could never run. get into Dirty Projectors. I totally get it. I totally get it. And number 61, House of Sugar by Alex G. Nice. Very nice. Uh, okay, my number 70, Jake. I have Pup with The Dream Is Over. Nice. Uh, number 69, I have Frankie Cosmos with Next Thing. 68, I have Earl Sweatshirt with some rap songs. 67, I have Oso Oso with the Unihon mixtape. 66, Snail Mail, Lush. That one flew up the rankings. That would have been in my top 10 for last year had we been making that list now. Snail Mail? Yeah. Yep. Uh, 65, I have Car Seat Headrest, Teens of Denial. 64, I have the other World is a Beautiful Place album, Harmlessness. Harmlessness, Ness, Ness. Where do you, where do you have Harmlessness, Ness. Uh, I have that at number 64. Okay. 63, I have Jamie XX in color. I gave that one another listen today. It holds up. It's if so anything, good. it's aged better. I know. It's so good. It just didn't... Dude, Young Thug is on it? Like, right. that was kind of ahead of its time. Yeah. Is um, PopCon on it, too? No, weirdly no. What's oh, wait. he on? Uh, hmm. Is he on one of, like, the singles? Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Number 62, I have Jessica Pratt, Quiet Signs. Nice. From this year. And then 61, I have Kendrick Lamar with Damn. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Very good. Um, 60. Nearer My God by Foxing. Nice. 59. Harmlessness by The World is a Beautiful Place. very close. Yep. 58. Endless by Frank Ocean. One that... Yes. Okay. This... I I wanted this to be on my list so badly. It just didn't. It didn't make it. I had other Frank ones, obviously, as we will see. Sure. Um, Granted. And also, I... Dinged it a little for not officially being an album. That's totally fair. For me, it it did serve as an album. Yeah. I listened to it a lot. Um, I love it. 57, 
I have Frank Ocean collaborator Sandy Alex G with Rocket. Hell yeah. Rocket and House of Sugar are like maybe the closest I have any one artist in the rankings. I had House of Sugar yep. 61, Rocket 57. Nice. And I flipped them a couple times. I have both of those coming soon. You will see. And I ultimately had Rocket higher. You, you're going to be mad at me for this one because it, it is it probably is too low to you. But I have the monitor by Titus Andronicus nah, at 56. That's, that's that's a that's good. I have goodness by the Hotelier at 55. Nice. I have next thing by Frankie Cosmos at 54. 53 UFOF by Big Thief. 52. They Want My Soul by Spoon. Wow, yeah. This is one I had kind of forgotten about. It fucking rocks. 51, Father of the Bride by Vampire Weekend. Very nice. Okay, that did not make my list. That's fair. Uh, number 60, I have formerly known as Viet Cong Preoccupations uh, with their second album, Viet Cong. That holds up so well. Um, listened again today, it rocks. 59, I have The Hotel Year with Goodness. 58, I have Sufjan Stevens with Carrie and Lowell. I'm, I'm surprised that made it in Age of Odds, didn't. Yeah, I realized For I was you. like, Carrie and Lowell is just like, it's you, so consistently good. You had this streak of like anti-Carrie and Lowell sentiment. It has come back around. Whoa, okay. Yeah, That's yeah very that album's excellent. It's very, very good. Um, 57, I have Lord Melodrama. 56, I have St. Vincent with St. Vincent. 55, I have Destroyer, Kaput. 54, I have Arctic Monkeys, Suck It and See. 53, I have Sandy Alex G with Rocket. 52, Pine Grove, Cardinal. 51, The National, Sleep Well Beast. Oh, okay. Um, 50, we're going back to 2010. To and Here's a memory for you. Driving out to one of our first camping trips, I remember listening to this album, The Suburbs by yes. Arcade Fire. More on that soon. Came out came out at number 50 for me. Nice. 49, I have Home Like No Places There by The Hotelier. Um, number 48, I have Sleep Well Beast by The National. Nice. Very close ranking. Nice. Yeah. Some of these are coming in pretty they tight, are, actually. actually. 47, The Year of Hibernation, Youth Lagoon. Nice. Uh, more, more on that one later. Yes, indeed. 46, Smoke Ring for My Halo by Kurt Vile. This has a good memory associated with it. This album was the the moment I realized I had to up my game in listening to new music. Uh. We, Sean and I, were on break in the Cinemagic break room. And Sean had on headphones. And I was like, well, like, what are you listening to? And you're like, oh, this Kurt Vile album. I remember being like very intimidated and like very like, what? <laughs> like, who is this? You're like, yeah, man, like he's cool. Yeah, that album's sick. And like, it's on my list. It's, yeah. And I, I just remember feeling like, okay, I got to like start listening to new shit. Yeah. More. Yeah. Um, and so that's a, uh, that's a 2011 album. Yeah. yeah, right, exactly. We have a problem. Uh, <laughs> number 45, Melodrama by Lord. Hell yeah. 44. Ariel Pink, dedicated to Bobby yes. Jameson. I didn't have any Ariel Pink end up on this list, but I love, I love this album. that that made it on. Love this album. 43, Mobo presents the perfect cast EP. Yes. I think it's difficult to overstate how important this album was to us at the time. This EP. I, I completely agree. My hottest take yeah. is that this band was never better than on those five songs. Oh, I agree. Six songs, I agree with you, and it's only because of the quantity that it yeah. doesn't outrank exactly. what I have yes. higher. Um, number 42, and I think you, this is maybe an interesting pick. I have Sorority Noise with Forgettable. Uh, no, I think that's very deserving, yeah. Not, not you're not, at, not as blank as No, you no, think. I know. 
Which I think is is maybe objectively their best. I mean, You're Not As is actually, yeah, probably their strongest yeah. statement as a yeah. band. They're they're playing at an unreal level on that album. And Cam's songwriting really reached a, a, a great apex there. Big friend of the pod. Big friend of the pod. Forgettable for me, though, was just a point where I was like, oh, I fuck with this music oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And like Rory Shield. Yep. Dirty Ickis, um, mediocre at best. Yep. All those songs really a still, gateway. To, yeah, they, they uh, yeah. still matter to me. Still shrill. Absolutely. Uh, and forty one, Radiohead with a moon shaped pool. Yeah. Okay. I was like, what's it gonna be? All right. A moon shaped pool did not make my list. Okay. Um, okay. At number fifty, Lana Del Rey, Norman fucking Rockwell. Okay. So we had it fifty spots apart. Yes. Ultimately. Yes. I hate. The- one of the best albums this year, in my opinion. It's great. Uh, number 49, I have Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with Skeleton Tree. Uh, 48, Arctic Monkeys AM. That is my highest ranking Arctic Monkeys album uh, when it was all said and done, even though it's been overplayed, oversaturated. I think it's their best collection of songs did from I, this decade. Now, now, did I miss it or did you not have Suck It and See? No, I did. Oh, you I, did. I had uh, Suck It and See at 54. Oh, okay, so I just did, I literally just missed yep. it. Okay. yep. Uh, 47, I have Mutual Benefit with Love's Crushing Diamond. Yes. This is how an archaeologist would tell. <laughs> like, yes, this is Sean. Like if it wasn't labeled yes. and mine was labeled. No, if neither were labeled. There's They'd be like, oh, couple. Casey Musgraves, that isn't Golden Hour. They'd, oh, and Mutual Benefit. Yeah, it's that's a Sean and Jake. They'd be looking for like, there'd be clues. And that's, yes. that's like a claw in amber. <laughs> like... <laughs> Girl in Amber. <laughs> Nick Cave, big shout. Um, number 46, I have Travis Scott with Astro World. Hell yeah. I considered it, but ultimately didn't listen enough. Astro. Number yeah. 45, Julia Holter, Have You in My Wilderness. Nice. Number 44, Boy Genius, Boy Genius EP. The only EP that made it on its own on this list. I had the two, but yeah. It made it at 44. Pretty impressive. It's honestly. so good. Uh, number 43, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with Ghost Teen. I think Ghost Teen is, is a, a hair better than Skeleton Tree. The emotional gut punch of both of those is something to, uh, to be said. 42, Sandy Alex G, House of Sugar. I like it better than Rocket. I think it's his finest work to date. I think a lot of this is aided by the fact that I just saw him live and they played basically this entire album and I was blown away. Uh, and you got a sick sweatshirt. Yes, from it. And wearing it right now. A, a V cool hoodie. V cool. Uh, number forty one. Cloud nothings. Attack on memory. Nice. Okay, love it. Number forty for me. Currents by Tame Impala. No Tame Impala album made my list. I I, I have soured on Tame Impala big time over it's, the last year. It's it's like watching your relationship with Tame Impala has been like watching a very volatile stock ticker. Yes, yes. And, and I I really like Tame Impala. They have a collection. Kevin Parker has a, a a collection of amazing songs, but like as an album, they just never do it for me. I love them both. And they I just, I, I never quite connect. I'm not going to have Inner Speaker on here, but I do have the other two. Okay. Currents is the lower of them, yeah. so that should be an indicator of like how much I actually love both those albums. Nice. Uh, 39, Arctic Monkeys, Suck It and See. Ah, that's uh, high. I love it. I f- love that album. Ride hard, hard, yeah. hard for that album. 38, Run the Jewels 2. By run, run them the jewels, jewels fast. <laughs> <laughs> I had a great run with that album. Yeah, 37. Yep. Cardinal by Pine Grove, nice. not the last you'll hear of them. 36, Pure Comedy by Father John Misty. Uh, 35, Radiohead with the King of Limbs. Yes. You know what's interesting? I think a lot of people would 
say Moonshape Pool is clearly better than King of Limbs. I disagree. I think the King of Limbs is criminally underrated in their catalog. I agree with the take that it is criminally underrated, and I think that I like it better. I do think that a Moonshape Pool, if you're going to do use the objective phrase, then it probably yeah probably is better. I agree. Yeah. Maybe even though I like disagree, it's weird. I have complicated feelings about a Moonshape Pool. Me too. Big Thief. Capacity coming in at number 34. My nice. favorite Big Thief album, ultimately, when it's all said and done. Number 33, Cloud Nothing's Attack on Memory. Oh, yeah. Number 32, Earl Sweatshirt with some rap yeah. songs. And 31, Modern Baseball with You're Gonna Miss It All. I ultimately just realized, like, I was, I didn't know, I was at sea with Modern I Baseball. I know, I know. I kind of was too. And I ultimately decided, like, you know. In 2015, for us, this came out in 14, but in 2015, yeah. this album was just just huge for yeah. us. It meant so much. 2015 in, in that first half of 2016. Yeah. So much. And, like, I, I, that's really important. That's, yeah. And if I listen to it now, would I like it as much? No. no. But it, it's valuable in this decade. Yes, yes absolutely. Uh, okay, my number 40. I have Big Thief with UFOF, my favorite of their two albums that came out this year. We do have another Big Thief album coming mm -hmm. number 39 parquet courts wide awake yes 38 i have angel olsen my woman 37 push a t daytona love it 36 pine grove skylight my highest ranking pine grove offering 35 juliana barwick nepenthe mm -hmm. this was probably like the the one ambient sort of like atmospheric album that made it on I, this is my go-to for that i love this album 34 danny brown atrocity exhibition nice that's one that didn't make my list and it's it's honestly it's out of pure neglect go back i i I, I have this year and it's excellent it just didn't yeah what a ride 33 bonnie Vare, 22 a million 32, this is my highest ranking 2019 album, Wise Blood, Titanic Rising. Nice. I think this album is going to age very well. Nice. It, it missed my list, but it's great. 31, I have Joyce Manor, Never Hung Over Again. Love it. 30, Vampire Weekend Contra, a 2010 album. Yes. Um, February 2010. Just barely squeaks into consideration for the decade, but... Came out when it did. You know, it's interesting. I think a lot of these 2010 albums, that one in particular, feel like they're a part of the 2000s in a lot of ways. They totally do. And I think that actually like is kind of to its credit yeah. in a way. Because it's like, it's like, what if Meriwether Post Pavilion came out uh, January 1st, 2010? Exactly. We'd have it high on our list. Yes, we'd we be would. like, this is this like yeah. fossil of a it's, different... Yeah. And Contra, man, I mean, it can't be understated. or It's very important to me, like... When I went and bought that album, yeah. I still remember putting it in, and I had it in my Saturn That's that I right. had when I was 17 years old. And I was Big driving Saturn around in energy. high school. Yeah, this is a high school album. Yeah, for me. man. And I remember the snow falling, driving around South Willow Street in Manchester, mm. listening to fucking Run and 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 you know Taxi Cab and all those songs. My big memory with that is you you lent it to me at Cinemagic during a shift, and I was on my hour break. I popped it on, and it was like just after it had snowed. It was like the day after when it was sunny and the snow was starting to melt yeah. and I was just and like Run and Horchata were on and I was like oh like I'm in a great mood this is yes. awesome it's 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 I think it's still great number 29 uh, Parquet Courts Wide Awake yes uh, 28 Light Upon the Lake by Whitney yes this one missed mine but great album number 27 
Quiet Signs by Jessica Pratt. High. Rank gained the high. Is that your highest rank, 2019? Uh, I'll have to check. It could be. It is not my highest rank Jessica Pratt album. Interesting. This album is another memory thing for me. Yep. San Francisco. Yeah. This year. I can I just remember like walking uphill and like yeah, my calves yeah. aching listening to this album and being on the flight listening to Aeroplane. Yes. Uh 26, Skylight by Pine Grove. 25, Never Hung Over Again by Joyce Manor. 24, David Bowie, Black Star. Yes. Um yeah, man, I, I went to a concert on the day of execution. <laughs> <laughs> when this dude I, I still remember when this album came out I was going to a conference in, in, in Saratoga yes, Springs I New remember, York and, and we got the news that Bowie died that album wrapped up with that news and kicking off a big Bowie phase for us is so important to me and one of the great um, musical phases that we had together this decade. Where the fuck did Monday go? Go go! Dude, I gotta go back and listen to that. Black Star is yeah. sick. That song was inspired by Kendrick Lamar. Number twenty-three, Trouble Will Find Me, The National. Yeah. Number twenty-two, Jessica Pratt, On Your Own Love Again. Right. I've decided it's actually the better of those two okay, albums. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's fucking awesome. Number it's twenty. Very close for me. Number 21. It's insanely close. They're both in the same 10. Yeah. Um, that actually probably gives Alex G a run for yes. closest. Number 21, Ocean by Dive. Yeah. It's a nice high ranking there. Yeah. I like to see that. Uh, okay, number 30. The Tallest Man on Earth, The Wild Hunt. Okay. Lower than I would have thought years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, look, that came out in 2010. A lot of good albums in the interim. But nevertheless, incredibly important to me. A lot of memories. 29, I have Capacity by Big Thief. That is my highest ranking Big Thief me album. Too. It is my favorite. I think it's their best. Um, not to say that any of the other ones are... Did you end up ranking two hands on this list? Not on this one. Okay. Didn't make it on this one. It fe- So I included it. I, it's one that I could see looking in t- five years and saying, nah. Two hands, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago or a month ago when we talked about it, it's the individual songs on two hands that do it. Um, and I think one of those songs might end up on my best of the decade songs list. Two hands is the album where, like, if you're in a big Neil Young phase, maybe you listen to Time Fades Away or Russ Never yeah. Sleeps. If you're not in a huge Neil Young phase, you're probably not that into that album. That's how I feel about two hands. Yeah, that makes like, sense. If I'm way into Big Thief, like, I'm going to listen to that album a lot. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, number 28, Mitski, Bury Me at Makeout Creek. Yes, I, I love think this. Uh, her finest record uh, came out in 2014. 27, I have Joanna Newsom with Divers. 26, Fiona Apple, The Idler Wheel. I'm not going to say the entire title to that because it's is wiser than the driver of the screw. Oh, and it continues and something for is, quite a while. Serves you better than whipping cords ever will or something yep, like that. And it continues. I, I listened to that album again, so I have a scattered history with that yeah. album. Listened to it again the other day. I think it's great. It just it's something about it, and as much as I'd love for it to, it never has clicked. Yeah, I, I think um, it's a similar thing to like Tame Impala uh, for for That's you fair. and I. Uh, it's num- cool. It's kind of it's jazzy. Sick. It's yeah, fucking wild. It's, actually. The songwriting is very impressive. 25, I have Fleet Fox's Helplessness Blues. Mm. 24, Joanna Newsome, Have One On Me. Nice. Yep, a tome. 
Uh, Crazy. Two hours, right? Over two hours? Yeah. It's like two and a half hours almost. Uh, 23, Foxing, Near My God. Nice. 22, Vampire Weekend. I feel like the I feel like Foxing is yeah. one, a time and place album for you. Oh, f- without a doubt. Without a doubt it is. Um, I remember you going to Colorado. Oh, you yeah. The whole... Yep. That feels like nice a Nice run. That, that album I will always look back on that time in my life and be like whoa and be like this album actually makes a ton of sense for that time in my life always vacations always vacations uh 22 vampire weekend modern vampires of the city nice 21 jeff rosenstock with worry oh nice okay that's a pretty big chasm between we we both had it um so here's what i want to ask i'm about to go into my top 20 yep do you want to really really get into it at 10 i think i think we play it by ear Play it by ear. Yeah. Game. Okay. Um, number 20. Yeah, I'm going to have something to say about these albums. Okay. I understand. Yeah. Number 20. Crack Up by Fleet Foxes. That ended up pretty high. It ended up real high. I think it's a masterpiece. Yeah. I really do. And I think it's like Robin Pecknold and the guys in Fleet Foxes taking what worked about their previous albums and turning it into what is actually a very strange and experimental album but pulling it off in a way that is it's still so beautiful yeah it's for bre- how experimental it is it's yeah. breathtaking to listen to uh number 19 modern vampires of the city by vampire weekend nice. this is very a, close yeah ranking. very close within three yeah. spots i think for us and for me this for both of us this is a late in college listen for me yeah um and i remember so distinctly having the thought when this came out I remember looking at the CD and thinking, wow, 2013 on an album cover. Right. That looks so new. That's crazy to see. <laughs> and now it's like early decade, you know? It just it feels uh, yeah, weird. Yeah, it's interesting. In my opinion, the high watermark for Vampire Weekend. Um, I agree, ultimately. Because I ranked three here. I ranked all three of their albums that came out this decade. Yeah. Um, and I had it highest. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Even though I think it's sort of less consistent. Than like Contra. I think Contra could listens smoother from start to finish. Could, yeah. I think the highs of Modern Vampires is are higher. Are very, yeah, that's, very a, that's high. a good point. Uh, number 18, Kendrick Lamar, To Pimp a Butterfly. Coming in at 18. Yeah. Interesting. At 18. You know what's crazy? What? I have To Pimp a Butterfly ranked higher on my list. I'm, and you'll I, see where. I'm not totally surprised. I think this is the Thinking Man's Kendrick Lamar yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very challenging, um, but excellent. And I remember the feeling of when this came out and just the pure excitement. This was like when Twitter was really hitting its stride um, and just feeling the sense of community around loving Kendrick Lamar and this masterpiece he dropped. And it is a masterpiece, as is my number 17 entry, Father John Misty, I Love You, Honey Bear. Yes. Um, Maybe lower than I I bet you'd like to have seen it. Eh, Not my list. That's fair, and, but I still think top twenty of the decade oh, is very, very high. Oh yeah, um, and we'll talk about it more when we inevitably yep. get it to it on yep. your list. No, it didn't make it on mine. Wow, <laughs> big just, surprise! Just kidding, it's it's on mine. Number sixteen, I have Tame Impala Lonerism. Uh, wow, very, nice. very, very important album to me. Actually, like, I, I, I think something about what Tame Impala achieved here captured like kind of a classic rock through a modern. Yeah soundscape that was like a, an important transition for me into understanding modern music that's interesting i um, like that yeah and if i were gonna pick a tame impala album to make my list it would be 
lonerism. For for me, it is better than Currents. Like, I agree. Pretty easily, actually. I and I, I just I like what he's doing. It's more guitar centric. Yeah. And I like it better. Number fifteen, Kendrick Lamar. Damn. Damn. Kendrick Lamar. I, you damn. know. I, Maybe I'm not surprised, given... I, I think you did have a really big year with Dam yeah. uh, in 2018. Um, I expected Butterfly to, to edge it out, though. Well, and it's not even the last you've heard no. from Kendrick. Um, da- but Dam... So where was it on your list? It was in like the 80s, it, 70s? No, it ended up at number 61. 61, okay. Um, for me, as... To Pimp a Butterfly and Dam are like... Are like Inverses of one another. Yeah, totally. To Pimp a Butterfly is one to throw on if you want to really think, if yeah. you want to digest like complex jazz rap at the absolute highest yes. level. Damn is Kendrick being like, here's everything I do well that is immediately accessible yeah. and immediately Yeah, catchy. that's interesting. And, and I, I completely agree. And I think the reason why I ranked To Pimp a Butterfly higher, which we'll see when we get mm-hmm, into my mm-hmm. next chunk, um, for exactly the reason you said, I think it works so well as a cohesive album and whole oh, yeah. it, it builds on itself with the i, I remember you was conflicted yeah. and it just builds and builds up to the tupac thing at the end and the, the jazz elements just everything about it i'd never heard an album like that i remember distinctly when i listened remember it came out a little bit early it came, came out, out earlier than it was I, supposed I to say it was like march 15th yeah and i remember i had to go to a client meeting in like stowe vermont it was this small hospital we were redesigning their website yes. and it was kind of snowing the weather was shitty and i listened to this album all the way there and it just created this like crazy mix of feelings of like anxiety but also i was thrilled that like this album existed and i was listening to it it truly felt like an in the moment classic it it is a classic it's a masterpiece and you could easily easily argue it's his best album and that's what's so difficult about ranking kendrick is all his albums have that stature for one reason or another yeah and ultimately damn is the one between that and butterfly that i think had a bigger impact in its way when it came out. Yeah. For me. Yeah. And on me. Like I, I the first weekend this was out, I listened to it literally nonstop. Yeah. I was listening so much. Um and, and so yeah, it just I, I think it just edged it out. It's mm-hmm. only they're four spots apart. Yeah. Here's one that I, I, I actually think might t- okay, no, actually this is not the one that might surprise you. Fourteen, Kanye West, Yeezus. Very close to where I have it ranked as well. At Fourteen. Thirteen. Grizzly Bear Shields. Whoa. This didn't make my list. Um, I before you before you give your take, just it, it didn't make mine. I have cooled on Grizzly Bear over the last few years. I think their last album, I was just like, okay, I like that album made me feel like Shields wasn't as good as it maybe is. Do you mean uh, Painted Ruins? Painted Ruins, yeah. Well, you haven't heard the last of that album because <laughs> it's in my top five. No. <laughs> Shields, I, the more I thought about it, and I, I've just I've always held this album in such a high regard, Yeah, it captures a sound in, in Daniel Ross and, and um, Ed Droste's like, songwriting on, and, and the way they're performing these songs. It's like this psychedelic folk rock. Yeah. And I think an incredible level in a way that I think this and Vecatimist are an amazing one-two punch. And that Shields is an album that I think has, I've just watched it get forgotten. It really time. has, it, it has been forgotten. And, and like, I totally get that it's on your list. 
and it's it's funny because like I every time I went through my ranking, I looked at it and I was like, that's real high. But you know, it, you know, it deserves it for me. For me, and, and and I I do think this album's excellent. Um, it's objectively very good. I think what happens with me is once I get past a couple of those early big songs, I get a little bored. Where I in and. and I can't put my finger on that. This album, although it is excellent, it doesn't excite me in a way that some of the other ones on this list ended up exciting me. But I, I'm very glad to see it, it rank this high for you. That's really fair. I, I think that you get into the later track listing. Sun Gets In Your Eyes is, I think, this like very climactic closing track. Um, I don't know. It just... It, I, I would advise anyone out there to listen to it. It's yep. probably not one that's been on your radar, and I bet it hasn't been on any lists. No, I don't think it has. Um, I haven't seen it, really. No, I, so number twelve, uh, I have the Wild Hunt by the Tallest Man on Earth. Yes. Um, there was no album. There's very few albums on this list that just looking at the title and just looking at the album art pack a more crushing emotional wallop for me. This for me is yeah. just is very much the relation, the feeling of being freshman year in college. The transition between high school and friends at home and going to Durham, which is 40 minutes away from where I grew up. It's not a big deal. Having a girlfriend for the first yep. time and the just emotional feelings associated with that and all the lyrical themes about like fall mm -hmm. and the lyrical themes about like death and, and it, all that stuff, drying of the lawns, uh, that stuff. Yeah. It, it all felt like so right in that moment. That it has an outsized impact on me. Yeah, this is an album that realistically, for other people, maybe if in a top one hundred of the decade, it would be like ninety six. Yeah, for me, it's twelve because it really, yeah. really fucking matters. And, and, and that's what I had to weigh with my ranking of it, and it ended up at number thirty for me. And maybe I overcompensated a little too much for that emotional weight and impact, where I was like. Yes, this album is very good, but really it's the same for me where it's it's those emotions. And, you know, I remember being in my parents' basement and, you know, listening to this together um, a lot. And it With really, Bill. Big show to Bill. Yeah, and it, it really did soundtrack that first year out of high school, the friendships, the feelings, the emotions. And I, I personally feel like, I mean, people can, because music like this and The Tallest Man, his whole approach and the whole vibe of him has has become much maligned in the 10 years, nine years it has, since this You know, it out. has, yeah. Um, but this is my shit, man. I oh, yeah. love this kind Absolutely. of music. And I think this album, and There's No Leaving Now, stand head and shoulders above the rest of his work. Yeah, and you know, um, I have started to stand for Dark Bird is Home the yeah. last couple years. Because I think good. that one gets a bad rap. Because that's when I think the conversation started to flip. Especially yeah. around Tallest Man on Earth and that style of music. It was like, oh, it's more of this. It's like, well, this is still really good too. It's definitely good. It's I think I think it's a tier below, a whole uh, tier sure. below. I, I agree. And it didn't make my hundred, but those other yeah. two did. So totally agree. Um and then at eleven, Fleet Foxes, Helplessness Blues. Yes. Um, similar thing. Twenty eleven, important for all the same reasons in my life. Mm -hmm. I remember when the song Helplessness Blues came yeah, out. Yeah, that was big. And I feel like texting you back and forth about the yeah. lyrics about one day I'll be like the man on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, yeah, this this album is 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 like a masterpiece. So is Crack Up, and I think this one is in a slightly more accessible way. And I've had more time with it. Um, that helps. I, I again, I think um, the benefit of years removed. 
something like Helplessness Blues maybe gets a little bit more of a bump than Crack Up would. Mm-hmm. Again, talk to us in five more years, and that that might be flipped. Helplessness Blues. Any of Fleet Fox's albums, I think you could argue, is their best on any given day. Yeah, my favorite is still their first album, which falls outside this decade. Yeah, um, but that is same. That's same. neither here nor there. Uh, my number twenty, Father John Misty, pure comedy. I will never forget the first time we listened to this in the old bedroom yes. uh, it, it, yes. at McGregor Street. We only lived there for ten months, but that that was quite the memory. Uh, we didn't know what to make of this album at first. We uh, we had did I bring over you had the I CD? I had the CD yeah yes yeah, it was yeah. you had the CD and and I came down from my third floor bedroom right. to your second floor bedroom that's right that was man what a good time yeah and and I think this album you really need to be committed to this album I think I underestimate in a similar way to like the Foxygen album or any of these folk rock albums. I underestimate how weird and off-putting some of this kind of shit yeah. can be to uh, to people who are where this is not their shit. Right. Like I just said about Grizzly Bear and about Tallest Man, like this is my shit. Father John falls right into that. Oh yeah. It's especially a, this album. A confessional singer-songwriter with like something to say. Yeah. And like kind not of, a whole lot of melody. Well, like there is, here and but there. it's like yeah, you know, it's this is a tough album. And it's I totally so, get anyone who's like, nope, I'm out on that. I get it, but like. You talk about my shit. This is my shit. I it, think this album is genius. Me too. I think that he he put this out it is insane. Yeah. And that came out around the time we saw him at uh, Newport Folk Festival. We saw him at House of Blues around that time. It was a big Father John Misty time for us. Yeah. Um, so it comes in at number 20. Number 19, Drake. Take care. The finest Drake achievement this is before Drake became just like a product to be sold. A meme. Um, this has some excellent tracks on it. Now look, it's too long. Um, there's a couple misses on here. But that's not what Drake albums or rap albums are about a lot of the time. This is a cultural touchstone album. This is the sound of the early part of the decade of rap music. A um, lot of memories in and around college for me with this album. It's just like this feels like being a young adult and wearing your heart on your sleeve and drunk dialing an ex and recording her on a voicemail and then getting sued for it on the best song on the album Marvin's Room so like all of those things just so many like hyper emotional memories tied to it I couldn't not put it in the top 20 number 18 I have Frank Ocean with Channel Orange hell yeah okay more coming on Frank I'm sure uh yeah uh, number 17, Kendrick Lamar, To Pimp a Butterfly. Okay, uh, I had that at 18. Yep, so very, very similar for us. We did just talk about that one. Uh, number 16, I have Arcade Fire, The Suburbs. Nice. Again, this feels like a relic of a decade past. Yeah. Um, this came out right at the end of high school, it, over that summer. I remember listening to it uh, on the way or coming home from that camping trip um, and, and had a lot of memories with it right after that. Uh, again, in this next one too, Beach House, Teen Dream at number 15. Mm. Those both came out in 2010 and feel like they're barely a part of this decade, but are so fucking good. And I've had so many memories and, and so much time with them yeah. that they just, they're all wrapped up in, in, in those feelings of that age. Uh, number 14, I have Japan Droids with Celebration Rock. Oh, yeah. How could we forget that one summer we rented the house? The events, Jake. Yes, um, the events. Just, I mean, that album. There was never, dude, 
there was never a time in our lives where we liked drinking light beer <laughs> more than than that trip. And there was never an album put to fucking tape yep. better suited yep. for that. Yep. And, and, and for all of that, that album is what being that age is and can be. Perfect time. Um, and it's the that trip is the only reason it's on my list. Yeah, oh, totally. Because I remember when this yeah. album came out, I listened to it a couple times, and I was like, eh, a little yep. too, whatever. On the nose. Hard on its sleeve for yeah. me. Yeah, yep. And then you were touting it, and you yep. played it throughout that trip yes. while we were playing fucking beer pong yep. and shit. Yep, um, To and be it, 19 again. Man. Man. I had yeah, just turned it, 20. And, and this is a uh, an example of an album, much like Modern Baseball, where it's like, if I listen now... I won't get even a fraction of the feeling I got from it, but it's the memory of that and what it meant at that time and what it means to me now as a result of having it at that time. It's what it felt like then, man. Yeah, yeah. That's what matters. Exactly, exactly. Number 13 from that same summer, I have Dive, Ocean. Yes. I had this at what, 21? Yeah. This album just is like, I keep coming back to it too. so good. So like... Celebration Rock, I, I never listen to anymore, and I almost don't want to because I don't want to be reminded that, like, life will kind of never feel that way again. Whereas with Ocean, it continues to, like, build on itself and just be this fixture and a representative of one foot in the past, but also one foot kind of looking forward. Um, it just... I don't know. Like, I think every dive album has been very good, but this one does something special. I it, it captures a real. It's like the opposite side of that emotional coin. Yeah. From that summer, for me, I have another one from that summer come up on my oh, list. Oh yeah. Uh, number twelve, Kanye West with Yeezus. Nice. I, I, I think this album, as time continues to go by, more and more people are being like, you know what, bangs and is groundbreaking as fuck. And it's visionary. Is Yeezus and do you do you like? Yeezus, I think, ended up influencing a lot of music post-2013. Even the song... I think it sounds better now than yeah. it ever has. Yeah. Because it sounds... I really think it's a visionary album. I really do. Because it's glitchy and crazy in a way that at the time I liked, but yeah. couldn't even completely appreciate yet. Even some of the tracks, like, what's it called? Send It Up. Yeah. And some of those later yeah. album tracks that I used to kind of knock, I don't knock anymore. No, it's... it. They're all so good. I like all of it. And I gotta say, songs like Hold My Liquor. So good. Black Skinhead. New Slaves. New Slaves is one of Kanye's best ever songs, and a big part of it is the final I Can't Lose 30 Seconds. I, I had this thought the other night that Kanye West peaked as an artist with the I Can't Lose, I Can't Lose part on New Slaves. Everything, that was a peak. Yeah. Everything, he has never, even the rest of that album with Blood on the Leaves or Bound to, those were all just dark the start of the downward dark spiral. Well, and think about it. Think about also like Black Skinhead on SNL. Yeah. And and New Slaves on SNL. Yep. Remember when he did that? And yep. I remember the feeling being like, damn, like this guy can never miss. He'll never not do a genius thing. It, 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 yeah. Now we're in 2019. And, it and hey, guess what, that. Kanye? You can lose. Yeah. And you like, have lost. A few times. Yeah. But hey, we have Jesus. It's my number 12. And he has Jesus. Hey. So we all win. <laughs> You know, coming in at number eleven, the national trouble will find me. Hell yeah! Okay, yep. all right. 
Let's dive in. Top 10s, Jake. Top 10s. Top 10s. Number 10 for me. Should we go tit for tat, one for one? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go, let's go on? one for one. Number 10 for me is Bonnie Vare, Bonnie Vare by Bonnie Vare. So I let's start here. What is this album called? Bonnie Vare, Bonnie Vare. Is it? I because I looked on Spotify today yeah. and all it says is Bonnie Vare. I I've not I've seen it both ways yes. in a myriad of places. I believe the way I've always known it is the title of the album is Bonnie Vare, comma Bonnie Vare. Because if you look on the vinyl, yeah. it is it's Bonnie Vare, comma Bonnie Vare. But I'm wondering if it's artist, if it's artist then album. I don't know because it, on Spotify it it's just Bonnie Vare. So then we can call it self titled. Yeah, but it's I don't it know. is something that I feel like people for years have called it Bonnie yeah. Vare, Bonnie Vare. Yeah. Um, it's a from, mystery from start to finish. This album is in in some ways very perplexing. I remember feeling so. Um, Weird about Beth Rest at the time, yeah. a song that I love yeah. now un, in, unabashedly. Um, you know, from the way this album starts with Perth mm. into what is it, Minnesota, Wisconsin? Yep. Next, and Holocene. It's I think the best pure distillation of all the things Justin Vernon does yep. best. I agree under the Bonnie Vare moniker or at all. I agree. It's like I think. The height of his songwriting being catchy, being interesting, being experimental, and being as much beautiful. Yeah, and as much as I like Twenty Two a Million and I like I I, this is my favorite Bonnie Vare album, including For Emma. Yeah, this me is too. his me best too. album. It's my number ten. I assume we'll it's hear coming in my top in 10 your as list. Well. So what's yep. your ten? My number ten. I went now. Now, if you look at my top ten as a whole, I think it all makes sense from just like a macro music standpoint. This album, Youth Lagoon, The Year of Hibernation, is the outlier. For a while, this was my favorite album ever. Of all time, for years. And, again, and now it's the 10th of the decade. And again, we come back to the conversation of time and place and emotion at that time. When I got into this album, Jake, I remember distinctly, I had just gone through a breakup. I went home that night. I was in college. I had heard about this album coming out. It was exactly what I needed at that time. Yep. And when you find an album like that, it's it's magic and it makes a real lasting impression. As the years have gone on and I've grown out of that phase of my life and grown out of those emotions and feelings, I don't need this album as much anymore. Yep. And that's why you see it fall from being number one with a bullet to kind of being grandfathered into the top ten. Yeah, um, right, and because, getting getting kind of a yeah, it's getting a, a, a courtesy. It, 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 it is. It's getting a courtesy top ten nod for what it meant to me then. Um, if I'm making the list now, it's it's you know maybe not in the top twenty five. I don't know, but it meant the world to me for a couple years, and for that, like I I have to give it props. I have to give it credit. Um, so maybe it doesn't fit in terms of like the how popular it is, critical reception, whatever. Fuck it. It meant a ton to me then. I still love this album and always will. It made my list. I mean, so here, this is how how much you love this album and how actually like contagious that was. Yeah. It made my list basically on basement listens with you. I mean, I introduced this album to a lot of people and everyone actually did love it and had like a moment with it. I listened to this album by myself less than 10 times. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I have heard... The 17 and Cannons and the songs on this album 
so fucking many times and the memories of hearing it in your parents basement and just in different places and different parties and different settings and different talks yep. throughout the decade I put it there the the, the production the lo-fi sound of this album the keyboards the synths I almost can't listen anymore because it's it's almost like too painful yeah, to remember that like you could even feel stuff that hard and this album's just so representative of that. I actually do have a hard time going back to it. I I, I like can't really and don't want it. to. Um I did I think a couple months ago and, and it was a positive experience, but yeah, I agree. Just it's, the sound of those synths on the album and it's so distinctive. Yep. It's so distinctive distinctively lo-fi yep. and the beauty of the different ways he's playing them man uh number nine for me also came out that 2012 summer frank ocean channel orange yep. i remember distinctly on the that trip to the house singing in my bullshit falsetto the <laughs> thinking about you yes chorus your falsetto is not bullshit by the way thank you the the do you not think so far ahead part because I've been thinking about forever. I remember singing this yes. in the Hannaford parking lot. That's loud. Amazing stuff. And that's just, that's the memory version of why this album is important. The other reason is it's lasted for me throughout it, the decade. It holds up. I come back to it. I was talking with my brother about Frank Ocean the other day. And we were talking about how he's actually kind of a summer artist for me. Yeah. And Blonde, which I think we'll hear more about. Yeah, we will. Is like late summer. This is a rare album for me where I associate it with the height of summer. The I do too. Of summer, I do too. Early to mid July, yep. and it's every year. It's when I come back to it, and actually, very importantly, I in 2014 when I had my first job out of college, I was very very depressed. Yep. I had my first really severe bout with depression. This album was there for me in a way mm. that like I can't even explain. It was That's important. incredibly important. That's important. And it was one where I had already listened to it for a couple years, yep. but it had been a little while, and I was just like getting back into like Pilot Jones and yes. like Crack Crack, rock, crack, crack, crack. Lost. Yeah. You know, Forrest Gump. Um This is a big summer album for me too, and it ranked a little bit lower. It was 18 on my list. Right. Um this was weirdly a big lawn mowing album for me. Hell yeah. Um Yeah, man, just so Blonde, I think, is the more complete work, but this one really does hold up, and I think I forget how actually good all of the songs are yeah. on it. Um, and they're so, incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see Remember this Remember the first ranked. few times you listened to Pyramids? Yeah, man, and Pyramids is still... Wow. It's unbelievable. Wow. Uh, my number nine, Deer Hunter, Halcyon Digest. Um, You're going to hear more about this one. Yeah, we can talk about it then, so go, go ahead with your number eight. Okay. Uh, my number eight, Grimes Art Angels. A top ten Art Angels. I was thinking, I was like, oh, we didn't hear from Art Angels yet, and I know you love that album. I've known since I had an incredible run with this album, like two winters ago. Yeah. Um, and even when it came out, I've known for years now that it's going to be top ten. I just didn't know where. I, I've, I've, I've had I, it I love that shit. I love it. In the coffers. Yes. Waiting to go, and I've known... Since I remember like going on runs in the winter and b b butterfly playing yeah. and pin and yep. and like I think this album is a pop masterpiece, capital M masterpiece. It is. It's now, absolutely incredible. D couple things on this. One, I needed another listen of it today to really solidify it on my list. It came in at eighty two. 
Um, it, it, it it's it, the songwriting's impeccable. Um, two, something that has always bothered me about this album though is the version of reality that yep. ended up on here. That's totally fair. The reality demo that had been floating around the previous year, is I think, is, is superior. That has always irked me and has weirdly cast a pall on the second half of that album. But I listened today with fresh ears. I was like, no, nah, that's bullshit. You can still have that take about reality, but the rest of that album is is great. And the version of reality on the album is still good. It's just yeah. I think it's not as good. Yeah. I totally agree with that take. Josh, big friend of the pod, Josh, tweeted the other day, reality demo by Grimes is the best song of the decade. And I was like... Okay, so I'm in the process of making my songs list yep. that we do next week. I'm debating, do I put um, Oblivion by Grimes? Or do I put Reality Demo as my Grimes represent? I don't know what it's going to be yet. It's because, up in the air. And I, I tweeted back at him. I was like, it won't be my number one, but I love this take. I, I do too. it's incredible. I, I love that take too. Anyways, Art Angels. Um, there's not a lot of albums that do this for me in a pure pop sense. I think that's how transcendent the shit she's doing on here is. Um they would really make me feel like empowered and yeah. like strong yeah. when I was listening to them. I love that. And man, it, it is such a good album. It's interesting too that Visions, which I think has two of her best ever songs on it in Genesis and Oblivion, didn't sniff my list. Me neither. Not I think even it, close. I think it falls apart as an album. I do bit. too. I do too. I think this is like a few tiers above Same. that. It's way Same. better in my mind. Yes. She's a better songwriter on Yes, it. totally agree. Love to see it rank that high. My number eight, Jake, Bonnie Vare, self-titled. Okay. Bonnie Vare. Um, we just talked about it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It is catchy. It, it. I listened to this again the other day, and it starts to introduce actually a lot of the experimentation yep. that he really brings to the forefront on 22 A Million and I.I., but I think if there's one knock on later day Bonnie Vare, it's that maybe there's a little too much of the glitchiness. Maybe not enough pure songwriting. Yeah, it's less coherent. Granted, I put 22 a million in II on my top 100. Yeah. So take that with a grain yeah. of salt. And However, I, I had 22 a million. II is in the, it would be in my top 150. This album, though, goes to another level. Yeah. I agree. It's his finest work. Uh, what is your number seven? Number seven, I have Kendrick Lamar with Good Kid, Mad City. Me too. Hell yeah. That's also my number seven. Wow. We matched there. That so is that's... great. I, that, that is affirming. I, we, were, we were just missing each other on a lot of these. I love. So first of all. That we were lockstep on that. We were one away on To Pimp a Butterfly. Yep. And we nailed it on Good Kid, Mad City. What is it about Good Kid, Mad City that put it above Butterfly and Damn for you? Um. I just remembered the feeling of when this album came out and when I really started, it started to click with me. The story it tells, the kinds of flows Kendrick is unveiling mm-hmm. throughout this album. The pure, like... Tide running. Yeah, like the pure... The pure... Of all the lines to pick. He's a phenom, man. He's a fucking genius. I know. And it was like, who is this dude? I remember I thinking, like, where is this coming from? Yep. I had never heard Section 80. Yep. I just Which is also excellent, by the way. It's also excellent. And the story it tells, the number of good songs, he's bringing it in every way. Yep. It is a concept album that holds together yes. as a story. Yeah. Um, and, I, man, I remember at the time I was at UNH and I was working for the magazine at UNH as, like, an editor. 
and I wrote I think like a nine point five or ten out of ten review it's of deserving. this album. That holds up. And I remember like listening just so many times to pick out every nuance of yep. the lyrics and all the different ways he raps and like all the stuff that he'd become famous for and now it's like yeah. we take it for granted. This album was a revelation when it we really first heard was. it. This you know so by this time, two thousand twelve, we had been listening to Kanye West, we'd been listening to some rap. I had never heard rap like this before. No. Like true skill and technical flow being matched with really creative musical ideas. He puts it all together. And to your point, it's a concept album that holds together. I think one of my favorite things about Kendrick is how socially conscious he is, but he doesn't do it in a way that is that you're going to roll your eyes at. No. He's going to do it in a way that's really smart that works in the context of the song he's doing. And this album, I think, marries that social consciousness that he really brought onto Pimple Butterfly, but with some of the fun and just pure songs yeah. that Damn had. Dude, and this album does have songs. You can pull out a Poetic Justice, or what's the one with All My Life, I Want Money and Power? What's that song called again? Uh, Backseat Freestyle. Yes, Backseat Freestyle. That was the first song by Kendrick I ever heard. Me too. And when he got to the part where he's really, like, he he's goes going, in. He yeah. goes in and he's rapid Ooh. fire rapping. I remember just being like, holy shit. I know. This that, is that, like. I, I listened to that recently again. It's transcendent it shit. It holds up, man. Um, and it, I also, it, this touches on something that you said. It was one of the first times in my life where, outside of Kanye West, I remember feeling like. I like rap. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is mm -hmm. sick. I, I get it. I yes. like rap. And in a way, it's like, this is the... Because Kanye is in both decades. Yeah. He feels even maybe a little more of the previous decade. He, he does. Kendrick felt like, it's like, this is our classic. This is yes. like our generation's like magnum opus rap album. Spot on. Like Ready to Die or like Late Registration. Yes. This is the one that was out when we were in college yes. that we get to like always tell people came out when we were in our early twenties. And 20s. it was huge for us. Yeah. That that's such a And good for point. everyone, because it's massive. Very very well said. So that was both of our number sevens, which yeah. I love. Uh give us your number six. Number six, I have Halcyon Digest by Deer Hunter. Hell yeah. So that's my number nine. Yeah. Uh Halcyon Digest. Um I think I I was a little late to it. I didn't listen in twenty ten. I think I listened by twenty twelve. What year did Django Unchained come out? 2012 I think I think something like that that winter I had such a run with it this is like a borderline Christmas album for me interesting it is like snow falling the haziness of winter to me matches the vibe on this album so perfectly do you have a different season for it 2012 for Django and yes I do this is actually a summer wow what opposite album vibes. for me this is a summer of 2012 for or Probably earlier, 2011 maybe? I think it was 2011 actually. I missed it in 2010. I came to it because I was doing all sorts of research. On, I, I, I was obsessed with those Pitchfork uh, year-end lists. There's something about a Pitchfork year-end list from the years of 2010, 2011 that just feel different than anything that came after. And it feels like there's endless opportunities to discover a classic album on them. Even still. Yeah. No. And that is what I was doing. I think 2011, I was in college. I was like, all right, I'm really going to like buckle down and like get into some of this stuff that I, I missed. And this was one of them. It was summer. I remember 
could have been a party. It could have been something, but I was listening to it beforehand. I think it was like basement scene or desire lines or, or something. And it was just playing in my car as I was driving up to my parents' house. And I was just like, the guitars on here just sound different. This album sounds different. It's creating a world. Um, helicopter. Need we say more? Earthquake. Like He would have laughed. Coronado. Coronado sounds like what... Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street. and sounds like what the Strokes like could have and should have sounded like post Is This It. This album is, for me, in a similar vein to what the, the Year of Hibernation does, but I think in a more varied and actually interesting it's way. It's better, yeah. It is like these amazing songs with some interesting psychedelic kind of experimental aspects filtered through this lo-fi thing. There is a Halcyon Digest sound. Yes. There's a Halcyon Digest sound. I don't know if you've heard of the band Spirit of the Beehive. Yeah. The album Hypnic Jerks. Yeah. Similar. I, I really like it because it has, on a lot of tracks, the Halcyon Digest sound in a way that I can never explain to people. The, the Halcyon Digest sound, I thought, was what music would start to sound like more. I was like, oh, there's a whole world of albums that sound like this. There's not. No. And there's a reason why this stands head and shoulders above almost every other album that came out this decade. It's because it sounds like that. I don't know what they did. It's like it's not like Deer Hunter blew up. Like they kind of peaked here and like with Fading Frontier. Like even for me, there's no other Deer Hunter that comes close. No, oh no, 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 no. Nowhere near. No, no, no other Deer Hunter made my list. Um I will say Micro Castle is very good, but that was 2009 or, yeah. or eight or something, maybe yeah. even seven. Yes, this is a completely unique sound and it holds up. It's maybe even better now somehow. The album cover is classic too. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. surreal, so weird. Man, and I just yeah. There's certain memories you can't escape, and like one of them for me is like something about the the dreariness and the 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 sort of foggy sound mixed with. I remember driving like two days before Christmas into Hooksit with yeah. snow falling. Oh, yep. And like helicopter was playing yep. or earthquake or one of those songs, and just I remember being like, "This is like." I mean, earthquake with that slow like do 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 like that makes sense for snow falling without a doubt. Yeah, it's uh, such a time. And this place. album for me captures better than almost any other like what it feels like the the exhilaration of discovering a new album. One hundred percent. I can't explain why it's this album, and, and that's others. what I mean about like looking at those pitchfork lists from that time. You know, you mentioned me listening to uh, Smoke Ring for My Halo back in 2011, yeah. and like that was a sense of discovery. But this one was on another level. It music shamed me into where we are today, which God, is important. God bless. What's your number six? My number six is the National High Violet. Oh, okay. So this is my favorite National album of the decade. It's my favorite National album. Yeah. Period. Me too. It was my gateway into the National. It was the first record I heard by them. Blood Buzz Ohio, I think, was one of the first songs I ever heard by them. Um, and I, I remember the feeling of listening to the opening of Terrible Love and Sorrow and just being like, I've never heard anyone sing this way or combine it with these lyrics. They just, they came through so clearly and in that deep, baritone voice yeah i was immediately hooked it, i was on a path of them being my favorite band from the second i heard them it just introduced it was the musical version 
of the melancholy and, and pseudo depression I always felt but could never place or, or, or put a thought to at that age in this music honestly helped me grapple with all of that mm. and just set me on a course to be a lot more reflective and thoughtful about myself, my emotions, and that it was like okay to explore those things. Yeah. Um, and that's what that meant to me this decade on top of the fact that every single song on this album is excellent and has like five of their best ever songs on it. Yeah, I, I wanted to clear the floor there for you a little bit because like, yeah. of how Go ISO. important yeah. The National is for you. This album is still to come on my list and um, we can talk about it then or I can talk about it now. We're talking about it now so we may as yeah, well. Yeah, what number for you? I want to save it. Okay, okay, fair, save it. fair. Uh, but Means it's high, listeners. It is high. It's a uh, high violet. No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> It's very, very, very important to me, too. And it was a different... It came on different in the way The National did for me. For you, The National was an immediate thing. Yeah. For me, it was a slow burn. Right. Uh, the, Casey Musgraves, big shout, big coming sh- soon. Opening track of an album you'll hear more about in a moment. Yep. Um, but yeah, High Violet didn't click for me right away. It, like I loved... I heard Blood Buzz Ohio on the, on the radio, on regular... Yeah. Wow. terrestrial radio point to one other album on this list of a hundred where you've discovered a song on the radio first can you i don't i don't think i can i, I can point to artists bonnie fair skinny love which but that's not on one of these albums yeah um this album high violet though is i think the best of a band that have, that went from sort of small beginnings for me to like can't miss mm-hmm. Pure Love, one of the the best artists I think of this last decade. Yep. Um, and High Violet means a ton to me. Every I think every song is like a classic. Yeah. I think the production on this album is absolutely incredible. I agree. Like fuck off with whatever people have a take of like oh it's it's too it's it's over, overcooked. It's not. Fuck that. It's, it's not really really. It's not. actually perfect for their sound. It sounds perfect. The guitars on it sound so good. The background vocals, the backup vocals from the Desner Brothers. Sounds incredible. Matt is recorded perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Lemon World, Blood Buzz Ohio, Terrible Love, Afraid of Sorrow, Everyone, Afraid of Everyone, Conversation 16, Vander Lyle, England. Like, do I need to continue? No, yeah. Little Faith. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, you just literally it. list any yep. song from this. And, like, if it's difficult for me to make a top 10 national songs. Or most of the list isn't Are, just this album. 100%. Because of how outsized an impact it had on me. Yes. As an album. Yes. Anyways. We'll we'll, we'll see where that comes soon. Yep. We are now into our top five. What is your number five? Number five. Sun Kill Moon Benji. This one is coming soon for me. Okay. Let's talk about it now. It's my number four. Okay. It's my number four. Sun Kill Moon Benji. Uh, this is another one where, like Halcyon Digest, this was one where... The feeling of getting into this album was like no other, I mm-hmm. think. Where um, the the songcraft on it was unlike anything I'd really ever gotten into. And I remember yeah. it felt like expanding my mind. Yes. It felt like... We, we were improving as music listeners by hearing this album and spending time with it. And it's a confessional... It's, it's It really is too much, this album. It, 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 it's a stream of conscious narrative album. But in a way that like he never would nail again no. to this degree. Even though he tried to do exactly the same multiple times since then. 
from the from the moment this album starts with Carissa to Ben's my friend at the end, um, I just think that like the songcraft here is of another level. Mm-hmm. I, I, Mark Kozelik is writing stuff because you can just tell that something like this versus this is my dinner or like or or fucking any of those other birds of flims. Yeah, or or uh, yeah, or what's that album where like valleys of blood, right? And whatever right, highways right. of blood. I don't know. They're like that's <laughs> right. The songs here, are, they just are more thoughtful. You can tell he spent more time on it. And it feels like everything since then has been an exercise in trolling people yep. to some degree. Yeah. I think this album is done like impeccably from like an... It, it's it's artful and it's the storytelling on it is affecting in a way that still crushes me. This, this album is like nothing else I've ever heard or probably will ever hear again. It's very important to me. It is the best representation in my opinion of what it means to be an adult and to just live a life yeah this record deals with loss it deals with family it deals with banal experiences in the randomness of life and day-to-day minutia um as i get older it affects me more and more yeah um if you, if we were making this list even two years ago, it would not have been number four on my list probably. Um, each year it seems to tick up a little bit more. Um, I listened to Carissa when I was driving out to my grandfather's funeral and cried in the car while driving. Um, I listened to this recently uh, driving through the White Mountains on a, on a long weekend and just the details of every single song broke me yeah. and continue to break me this is an album of vignettes it's kind of like a collection of short stories which yeah. made listening to it and getting into it so intoxicating Ugh. in a way that like no other album does on this list no. even the albums I have ranked higher don't do what this album no. does no album does what no. this album does in that way you think about Michaeline my friend Brett Carissa yep. Yep. you know his mom his dad Jim Wise <laughs> I watched the film. The song remains yeah. the same. Richard like, Ramirez, the kids at the Newtown. Kids in Newtown. You know, and it's all these little stories. All his friends in all these European countries. Like you go from these snapshot memories of him being a kid, going to his grandmother's house and not wanting to go, and being afraid because she's sick, to uh, experiences with girls growing up and losing your virginity yep. and the ups and downs of of young love and then family members dying suddenly and for no good reason um i just there's so much here just that is about life i i, I don't know it just it, it's so impactful the story i have that, that, that relates to like my experience with this album is different than yours and i think actually it, it is less meaningful but to me you you mentioning the idea of adulthood and what it means to be an adult on this album and the fact that that comes through makes even more sense now than when it came out. But my most distinct memory, weirdly, of getting into this album, I have two. One, this was all as I had gotten my first real job. Yeah. Like I'm talking like with benefits and like yeah. actual pay, not right. $10 a fucking hour. Not even. To yeah. write an article about state fairs. Right. Um, you know, I had this first real job and I listened to this in my room at my mom's house mm-hmm. that I grew up in and I just remember feeling like this this new mix of like freedom I'm like an adult but I'm still kind of here yeah. and that mix and then 
another distinct listen I remember having was on a Friday afternoon at work in this new job, in this new office. It's a cushy 2010s workplace mm-hmm. where there's like a couch area. Yeah. And it was on the fifth floor and it overlooked the river and a view of the west side of Manchester, which is boring to anyone listening, but at this point we're three hours into the podcast, <laughs> so who cares? And the sun was setting. And I remember sitting at this like tall table, looking out over this like beautiful sunset and listening to the saxophone in Ben's My Friend mm. at the end of the album and just feeling like, man, my life is really at a transition point here. Yeah. It's it's interesting when you know it's in a transition yeah. point as it's happening, and, and you have something especially like this that can soundtrack it and speak to it in such a real way. Yeah. Um, incredibly special album. So would you have a number five? My number five, I have Titus Andronicus Hell with yeah, The dude. Monitor. Um, so again, for a lot of the reasons we talked about with The National or, or even with Benji... Um, I think this album speaks to mental health and emotions, but in a very, in a much more aggressive way. Um, I think to to an extent, this is a concept album as well that tells kind of a whole story um, through the lens of the Civil War. It kind of deals with uh, issues of mental health through that way. And I remember I got into this in the year 2015. So I, I was later to this. As was I. Where, you know, it had already been out for five years. I don't think... I was quite ready for this album earlier in the decade, though. Like, I had remembered hearing A More Perfect Union, the opening track um, from from this album, and I was like, ooh, that's, like, a little too aggressive for me. Now I listen to that, and I'm like, this is just, like, catchy rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole album, I think, was kind of like that in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of these songs are long, seven, eight minutes. Battle of Hampton Roads is like 14 minutes or something crazy. So it's like, you know, it's a, it's a committed listen. Um, but when I think about the idea of an album, yeah. this nails it. I get so excited to listen to this album, even to this day. And it's not like I listen to it all the time, but I, I listen probably once a quarter or something like that. <laughs> yes. Because uh, my life is measured in fucking quarters now. Um, and every time I do, I'm just reminded of those feelings of listening to it for the first time, but also a lot of the feelings that it brings up and, uh, Patrick Stickles, who I think is a lyrical genius. And and if you want great lyrics, look no further than this album while it also just fucking bangs. Um, I think speaks to these issues that he deals with in a really smart way and taught me a lot about language and um how to think about some of these things and i think it expanded my idea of my place in the world and i think similar to benji similar to high violet similar similar to a lot of the albums in our top 10 that we've talked about great art does that and it teaches you something about yourself or the world and that's what this album does and that's why it's my number five uh, there's nothing I'm going to say that's going to c- capture it better. And I had it obviously ranked a little bit lower. I still love this album. The the word I would use to describe it is literary. Yes. It feels like literature. It feels like you're reading like one of the great American classics yes. as music. Yes. And that can feel both like breathtaking and incredible. It can also feel a little like homework when you first start it. Yes. It's so worth it, though. Because it's so packed with references um, and and allusions and and things like that. And 
Yeah, it, it can, but once you break through with it, it's, it's incredibly rewarding, and it just keeps giving the more you listen. Yeah. Um, number four for me is Casey Musgraves' Golden Hour. Yes, I was wondering where this would land. Yeah, number four. And it, it had been ranked number three at one point, uh, but I, I ultimately changed that. Go ISO here. Yeah, I... I I mean, if you listen back to our 2018 podcast about albums, like this was my number one of that year. Yep. Uh, 2018 was a weird, weird year for me. A lot of crazy stuff happened family-wise. and it with This album just came out at like the perfect time, and I think it had just the perfect... It took me by total surprise, because it was, it, it was this country album by title, right. by genre, by label. And what was exciting to me was that there were still frontiers of music that I could love this fervently and feel shit from mm. in ways that I didn't expect. It's so exciting to feel that way again. And this album like did that for me. It, it, I honestly like I I I just like I get worked up thinking about it. Well, I think what in different ways, what we're saying with almost every single one of the albums in our top 10 is it ignited the spark of excitement around finding something new yeah. and having that hit on so many different levels, whether it be emotionally or just musically, uh, lyrically, whatever it is, it just like, it just something lights a fire inside of you. And that's what all of these albums do. And I think for you with this Casey Musgraves album, and I've loved seeing it it's almost that first half of the year or when you were first getting in into it you it was almost like am i allowed to like this as much as i do yeah and then i remember you came around and you were just like yes like this means so much to me and i've loved seeing that and i think the casey musgraves is kind of like two sides of the same coin with like the monitor yeah we're like both of these are very much our distinctive albums in different ways mm -hmm. i think and hit us though in similar emotional places that we needed at the time. Totally, absolutely true. And I, I think this is an album that is about taking in the world and the wonder that is the world in a way that's not cynical and it's not negative. Yeah. In a way that I really, really need yeah. at this point in my life. Because yeah. so much of my worldview has been marred with cynicism and negativity and anxiety that I, I need an album like this which takes into account some of the beauty of what is out there that that aside it is i think track by track an absolute classic and i remember mm -hmm. thinking that when it when we were getting to like the halfway point of last year i remember thinking like fuck this album to me is like a masterpiece yeah. i think it's like moment for moment like a classic yeah and that she has really done something very special with this record um and yeah, from beginning to end, I look forward to listening to it. I've listened to it pretty consistently since then. Yeah. To the degree, this album had an impact on me so great that I've now listened to her entire discography yeah. and ranked another album by her on this list that yep. when I first listened to it in like 2016 or whenever it came out, I was like, ah. Eh. That, that's interesting because Titus Andronicus is the same way for me where now I've become a massive Titus Andronicus yes. fan. On the strength of the monitor alone, yes. I was like, this is so good. Even if the other albums aren't even half as good, they're still going to be worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's very, very interesting. Last thing I'll say is that the production on this album is very, very, very my shit. Oh, yeah. You listen to Slow Burn yeah, and yeah. the way the, the violins come in at the end, the strings. Yep. It reminded me of like Sea Change by yeah. Beck. And 
that's the first track and that just sucked me in and then you get lonely weekend and then you get butterflies yep. and like those are fucking pop gems they really really are um so i said my number four was benji by sun kill moon okay uh so we'll go back to you for your number three Number three, we can gloss over because we talked about it. It's the National High Violet. Nice. Okay. Um, I just, I realized the more I thought about it, this is in the conversation of the most important albums for me in the 2010s. With period. Just yeah. period. Yeah. It, it did so much to shape my tastes. It did so, it, it, it just is so important to me. Yeah. For all the reasons of nostalgia and how good it just is Love in it. every way. Um. Okay. We're into the our top three. Top three. I know for a fact two of them are the same. Um, it's just a matter of what order. It's a matter of what order. My number three, and we can hit it when we get it to yours, is "Blonde" by Frank Ocean. Okay. Um, I wrestled with this top three. I had Frank Ocean "Blonde" at number one for a while. I also had it at two. I settled on number three. Um, and. We'll get to the whole conversation about yes. it. I will let you... Actually, maybe I'll do my number two here. Just so we... And we can finish with these two that are your top two. Yeah, and, that's fair. Okay. My number two, I ended up putting I Love You Honey Bear by Father John Misty. I love this. Again, I I grappled with putting this at number one. Because Ooh. when we talk about my shit... There's no album on this entire list of 100 that is more my shit than this album. So many songs on here are just like, wow, that is saying something that I feel like I knew or thought of or wanted to say but didn't or couldn't. And this put it to music. Um, this idea of, you know, you talked about the cynicism mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. runs our lives, I think that is doubly so for Josh Tillman. And to tackle this idea of love and new love and this idea of like, this feels real, but I almost don't want to let myself believe that or think that. Yeah. What does that mean? And what are all these ideas surrounding it? Nothing captures that better than this album. I, Being a privileged white male in dealing with these ideas is not one that speaks to a wide audience necessarily. Or some people might look at it and roll their eyes and say like, ugh, like, can you believe this is so annoying? But like, I'm his audience. I Like, I am exactly his audience. Th yeah. This album was made for someone like me. And like, that... Fine. Like, I, I, whatever criticism you want to levy against him, do it. But, like, this is my guy. This is my fucking album. I have that at my number two. I think... So, I didn't say much about it when we... Yeah. Because it was 17 on mine, which is, I think, so pretty high. I, I think all that aside, it's like a perfect album. Th th that's the other thing, too. The songs are here. They're so good. Take away the subject matter. The songs yeah. are just bangers. They're so good. And... and you know, he's had such a tumultuous and and polarizing public-facing persona in the years since this album that it's hard, it's sort of easy to forget that when this came out, so much it love. seemed like an insane... Remember how big a swing this felt like? Yeah. Because I remember when Fear Fun came out, hearing about, like, hey, the drummer from Fleet Foxes right. is making some music, and be like, ah, maybe some of that's interesting. Fear Fun didn't... I didn't even really entertain it that much. Right. I didn't listen to it. I heard a couple songs. 
And when this came out, it was like revelation. Massive. I, you know, if you had told me, and we've had this conversation, if you had told me back in the early part of this decade, you know, Fleet Foxes, they're going to put out a couple good albums this decade, but the ones you really got to be looking out for are coming from their drummer, and they're going to be transcendent. Yeah. I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that's how power, how good a band that was. Is yeah. that there's from members of that band, there's like five albums on this list, yeah. probably. Yeah, that's um, a great point. Yeah, it's it's so good from start to finish, and like a song like "Holy Shit," yep, or a song like so, "Born in the USA." You know, it's it's interesting that this album came out right in the middle of this decade, 2015. I think it is so indicative of the whole feeling of this decade though yeah. you know you have holy shit a song that just is like buzzwordy like things that we're dealing with and it really just sums up the decade in a lot of ways you have board in the usa that speaks to a lot of those other things in a, in a slightly different way um you have people you know tinder became a thing and online dating and hashtag hookup culture jake all of these things are are shot through the lens of I love you honey bear and could have very easily gone off the rails but instead ends up being one of the most heartfelt and genuine albums about this subject this decade. And I remember having a really in-depth conversation about it on our best albums of 2015 That's right. podcast which was like our third podcast right. or second podcast or something. That's right. Um and having a same conversation about how important it was to have an album that was cynical about love, but yet was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And because the songwriting on here is beautiful. And it's like, it's it's music written by someone with the ability to make something this gorgeous yep. and this poignant, but with a brain that's telling him time and time yep. again, like, like, fuck this. Don't it's trust this. Ugly yeah, and exactly. it's weird. Yep. It's kind of like a modern Randy Newman type of deal, yes, really. Exactly. Um, exactly. I love this pick from you. I think it makes total sense for you to have yes, it there. Yes. My number two. Jake's number two. What is it going to be? Kanye West. My, oh, he did it. My beautiful, he did dark, it. twisted fantasy. That means Blonde is your number one. It is, yeah. That means my number one is my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy by Kanye West. Let, let's talk about... And, and your number two is Blonde. My, uh, my number three is Blonde. Number my number three, two is, number is Honey two. Bear. Yeah, sorry. So my number one, beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. Yours is Blonde. Yep. Let's talk about that going back and forth between those two. Because I did it as well, but like with these three albums. Let, let, let's start with Twisted Fantasy, okay. I think. Yeah. Um, there was, for me, up until a year ago, never ever the remotest right. doubt that this would be number one on my right. list. Um, I think it's like... You could argue it's better than Blonde. I don't even really care. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. No, I care it, so much about both these albums yeah. that, that that argument doesn't really even throw that out the window. The, I mean, Twisted Fantasy. You talk about an album that's a classic, one that's an instant masterpiece, yeah. one that in the moment it felt like it, and in every moment since it's felt like yeah. that. Uh, man, when this came out, twenty ten, again, freshman year in college, a lot yep. of these the same thing. Yeah. Going home for Thanksgiving, I remember buying this at Newbury Comics on CD, yep. and then going to see Deathly Hallows Part One yep. with you and a bunch of friends. Yeah, um, that's the secondhand Lions Night, by the way. Oh my god, uh, uh, an all-time joke. Um, I remember you. I think it was that same 
weekend. Yeah. I think you had been listening to it and it was like the it was getting to the end of that break. And I remember I was in my parents' basement and I was just like hanging out, doing whatever on my laptop. And you texted me, you're like, hey man, I know you don't really listen to rap that much, but you gotta check out this Kanye West album. I think you'd really, really like it. Yeah. I downloaded it, I put it on. As soon as I heard the first song, I I was hooked. And especially when Gorgeous came on. Yeah, man. I, I and like you have that that Kid Cudi hook, the guitar, and then Kanye rapping through like that filter. Yeah. And I was just like, I didn't know I didn't know rap could sound like this. I didn't yeah. know this could exist yeah. like it does. And it just completely blew my mind. So yeah, but at the same time, um, I, I think this album has one foot in the aughts and one foot in the 2010s yeah. in that it still is pulling on some of like the 2000s Kanye stuff and yeah. feels like the pinnacle and peak of that version of Kanye. Mm-hmm. Um, and But also, I think, introduces what rap would become in a lot of ways in the 2010s, what music would become in a lot of ways, like a lot of guest appearances and these like, like rap as pop music, but also rap as like maximalist pop and and being something even more than that. In a huge grand artistic statement. Really just becoming the sound of music and the sound of the culture. There are very few albums that have had as many meaningful late night drunken conversations regarding them yeah this is one where you and i have gone and with every friend who we've ever listened to this with during a night hangout over a few beers and just like talking about life talking about what it means to like be alive we did a lot of that kind of discovery together this album soundtracked a lot of that and i'll go back to the thing that i i said every, every time we talked about this is that this album to me feels like a, a classic like jazz album yeah like like kind of blue yeah or like in a different way but it's like it's everybody came and just brought their absolute a game for kanye yep i care so much less about the storylines about like what this means with the taylor swift issue. oh i don't give it a no he i was don't in a bad way about with, that like, with no. the press no I, I don't think about that i i think about kanye Getting everyone to go to Hawaii, yeah. Bringing in Justin Vernon, a fish out of water, and Justin Vernon is like smoking weed with Rick Ross and like not knowing what's what. I guarantee you. So like the <laughs> Justin Vernon doesn't call his Tesla John Tesla, and like be Justin Vernon in the way that he is now no. if he does not have. That experience with Kanye and company. I have a feeling the weed that Justin Vernon smoked <laughs> on the making of this album forever changed his brain. I think so too. Um, I think so in too. In massive ways. Elton I, John's on here. Rihanna, Jay Z, Shakira, Shakira, Pusha T, Raekwon. Like anyone who's anyone was on this album. And like you said, Nicki Minaj, monster. Nicki Minaj burst onto the scene and peaked in a verse and has never done anything as good since. Remember how big, how much that blew up? How, how much everyone, dude, remember how many conversations have you had about the Nicki verse in Monster? I, uh, so, countless, in, countless. And, and, and for all of these reasons, this album, like basically if you look at 
Blonde and Twisted Fantasy, Fantasy musically. It's a wash. I can't decide between the two of them. You have the beauty of Blonde versus just the maximalist kind of power. They're so different. Pun intended of Twisted Fantasy. The legend that has kind of popped up around Twisted Fantasy and what it means to our greatest icon, for better or worse, and all of the people who are in his orbit for the next 10 years to come means too much. The weight of that is a planet into and of itself. And it, it, it's its own gravitational pull, this yeah. album. You know, you feel it with the vinyl. It's it's this fourfold, it barely holds together. It's so heavy. That artwork, the red, the ballerina, just everything about it is just so visceral. It's an it's an album. It's the rarest of rare albums that is trying to be a masterpiece and is. It is. And there's nothing more powerful than that because it's not the unassuming classic. It's not the sleeper. It's the one where it's the big middle finger. Where exactly. This I'm laying it all on the line, and I fucking know you're gonna. Lo- I know damn well y'all feeling this shit. Yes. That's what this album is. Yes. In an album, and like. Man, think about the first six tracks of this fucking mm. thing and how hard it all hits from dark fantasy to gorgeous to power to the two all of the lights. Mm-hmm. And monster. then it's into monster. Man. And then the rest of the album settles into, I think, a very nice flow. And there's and Runaway is in the yeah. back half of yeah. the album. You can argue there's a couple little dips yes. in Blame Game or in yeah. like uh, um, probably the weakest. Devil in a New Dress. I think the weakest, I, that used to be my least favorite. I think my least favorite now is that one that has like basically the, the Iron, Iron Hell Man. of a Life. Hell of a Life is probably the worst, yeah. Still, the, that would be better than a lot of the songs on any of his albums these days. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and but, just the but, tone of the way this album is recorded, the yeah. way it sounds. Oh. It sounds great on vinyl. It sounds great on a fucking earpods. Yeah, you know what it, I mean? like it, it, and I, I think it's almost better for having a couple of those like near misses on there. It, it like adds to the legend, and and you he know closes it out so well. Oh, with Survive in America. Too. Yeah, exactly. And, and I don't know, just all the people involved, um, the stories, the legend around it, and I think to your point, up until this year. It was unequivocally your your number one, and it was for me too. And and I had to take a long look this year yeah. between this and Blonde, and even questioned, "Hey, is can I love you, Honey Bear, be my number one?" Just because yeah. it's so me. Um, it held that top spot for so long, over so many years, in so many conversations and listens, in memories, in phases of my life. It, it just is the 2010s to me in a lot of ways, yeah. and I and I couldn't have it. Uh, anything else is my number one as good as blonde is yeah uh, and you know what's so funny though is like even knowing that and knowing for years and years that 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 kanye west my beautiful dark twisted family was going to be my number one there was a certain point in the last 12 months 16 months yeah where a certain switch flipped and I went from thinking, it's possible Frank Ocean could be my number one. I remember we, we had that conversation. I think it was late last year. And then I remember, the I don't remember the moment, but I know there was a moment where I realized it just is. Yeah. Um, Blonde is like, it's just, it, it moves me in so many different ways. It's like a dream. Mm, yeah, totally. In all the ways Twisted Fantasy knows it's a classic and is trying to be and is telling you it's a classic and is and it yeah. works. 
there's a power in that. It's like a politician yeah, who's yeah. winning with the yeah. crowd. It's powerful and it knows it is. Blonde it feels like it's not trying to be anything. Mm-mm. It feels like Blonde just exists and always has existed. <laughs> blonde is timeless. Dude, I'm serious it is, it is. But that's the best way to describe it. It just flits in with little ideas and melodies and there's minimal beats and all you know the harmonies that he puts together on songs like self control or the the way he uses melody on like white ferrari or even on songs that are a little weirder like godspeed and yeah. siegfried where it's really like looking forward to what frank would become in the singles after yeah. in a song like dhl yeah. or a song like um biking or lens right where it's kind of him saying shit yeah. with a slight melody yeah but just in a way that you can't get out of your head and i think as much and, and, and i think the one of the best arguments for blonde on top of it just being gorgeous and timeless and a, a beautiful collection of songs is blonde i think represents what the second half of this decade musically is all about and the best of what it could be. And I think Frank is the voice of that. And I think you look at the explosion of like trap music and Travis Scott and other artists of the, of his ilk. Mm-hmm. Frank he blows them all out of the water and, and creates this like... You know, I, I think of like Bob Dylan describing that like thin mercury sound of blonde on blonde and and it's so fitting that this album is named blonde because it's channeling that intangible feeling and thought and vibe vibe is a great word for frank ocean and all the singles you you nailed it that came after were, were born of blonde and born of this era and i think 2016 was a turning point year for this decade in the way we look at it and Blonde really ushered that in and was like, this is something different. You're about to go into a different phase. This is going to soundtrack it. Where Twisted Fantasy, like I said, has one foot in each of the past two decades. Blonde is singularly the 2010s. Yeah. And for that reason, I think is can and should be your number one, a number one. Wherever you put it. Um, yeah, and it's just like... The songs are there too, but in a way that's sort of not describable. And that you couldn't... It would be really, really very difficult to describe this album to someone and have them go make it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it Can't do it. You just, like, oh yeah, there's not that many drums. And it's a lot of like, there's you know some guitars and some synths. And you kind of just got to use your voice. <laughs> Good luck. For like all of it. Yes. It doesn't sound like an album I'd like that much. No. But it's... It's it's sort of incomparable, and I think that that is a part of the, you know Twisted Fantasy is the same man. It's also incomparable, but this album is like I don't think there's anyone else on earth who could make this album. No, and that's that's true of Twisted Fantasy too. That's what makes it so difficult. Right. Um, I I like them for totally different reasons. Blonde is one I can put on in almost any context. And that's a great too. point. It's a great point where I think that's a little harder with Twisted Fantasy. A little bit. Because it feels like you're you're cracking open an old classic ex- book. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Blonde can exist in these little like ephemeral moments. Can be moments. Yeah. No. That that's such a good point. And and this is one too that I've rediscovered in different phases. In, since in it different came ways. Out. Absolutely. No. I, that's been the same for me too. And you know, we talked about at the beginning of the pod time and how that can influence 
how you think about and rank some of these albums. And it's not lost on me that Twisted Fantasy came out in 2010. Yeah. And I've kind of earmarked it as my number one for years and years now. Um, again, it, it like, again, give me give me five more years. It, it, that might change. It like I think could very realistically be my number one as well. And these are like it really is more like one A and one B. Let me ask you this: If you were making a top ten albums of all time list, is Blonde and or Twisted Fantasy on it? That's so hard. I think they'd be on mine. I think they might have for to be. what this decade has meant to us yeah. as people and music listeners, and having these two be the strongest output from it. I think they'd have to be. Yeah, yeah, I I think I agree. And um, the last thing I'll, I'll say about Blonde is that I think it was it was actually in a way that Twisted Fantasy wasn't. It was a it was a slow grower, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, that was definitely interesting. Right. But the conversation about this album in the weekend after it came out, I remember people were like, this is good. Right. I don't totally know what the deal is, though. Right. Is it a full album? Like, right. Are these real ideas? Are these full right. songs? Frank was a step ahead. Yeah. I think he yeah. knew. And what's funny is that... He's a genius. He is a genius. And he's a fucking phenomenal talent. He, and on top of all that is in the reason he can pull this off and no one else can is he has a voice on a level yeah. that's beyond what other people and have. an understanding of like how these songs just need to sound and a freakishly eclectic taste in music yeah. and ability to distill and synthesize those types of music to serve him yes in a way that is interesting and mind-blowing to other yes. people and and to a person of the people who I've ever had a conversation with about this album or listened to some of with Every it's worked its magic on all of them. Oh yeah, and Absolutely. everyone is won over by it. Even even though it's a weird album, it yeah. really is like an experimental record, but it works. And to to sum up, I think especially the albums in our top ten, and especially the ones that landed in our top three to five, I get so excited to listen to them and experience them. It feels special. It feels like I'm reconnecting with an old friend. Um, there's almost no feeling on earth quite like listening to any one of those albums and getting that mixture of nostalgia, emotion, excitement, sadness, you name it. Like you're getting every emotion all at once, basically with any one of these and, and nothing tops that. These are our albums, man. There really? are albums. It, it, this was our decade. We grew up this decade. We will never have a music listening experience like we did. And that's why... You know, I was looking forward to this list so much and yeah. this conversation so much because it does mean a lot. Um, and it does make me sad that, like, it will never quite be the same. Yeah, and it's over. And it's, this it's done, but, done. like, what a decade it was. It was incredible, yeah. And, it you know, it um, it's powerful stuff. And looking back at this, I can already feel the nostalgia that I'll feel oh, then. I know. Looking back at this list. I know. The amount that that will conjure in years to come. Yep. Yep. So I got to say, I... I'm not sure, but I think this might be our longest podcast ever. Um, this was real long. Could be. I think it was just like a solid two hours. Yeah, it's it's. But a, hey, it's like it des- it was deserving. If you are still listening, God bless. Yeah, and thank you. Yeah, and honestly, like for anyone who's listening who has been a listener, like we'll keep we're gonna keep going with the podcast. Oh, yeah. I think no doubt. I think it's a new era. I think so too. I think especially as this decade winds down, um, I think the way we approach the podcast and music in general, I think will 
will transition and change as our lives transition and change. And that has started in the last six months. Exactly. Even a, even year. a year probably. The, the 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 schedule with which we've done it has been more biweekly, if not th- every three Monthly. third week. Yeah. Which I think is more realistic for where we're at. I think yeah. it's more realistic for what we've come to realize the podcast is for us, which yeah. is a way for you and me to connect. Yeah. And a way for us to talk about our favorite thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I think it's gonna maybe at least the way I envision it probably be more like when we need to have one, when there's stuff we're really excited about talking about, that's when we do it rather than, you know, we're punching the clock every week with, you know, fucking thunder dreamer takes, you know, like, I don't know if we always need that. I think if, you know, we're excited about shit, we talk about it. Um, but you know, this is incredibly important to me. Me too. Um, I've loved doing this. We're 165 episodes in, which if you told me back when we started that it would go this long, I, I, I don't know if I would have believed you. The, yeah, and in some ways, I, I've been thinking about this a lot. And this podcast and the, this series of podcasts we're about to do, really this one and the next one, um, it feels like the culmination of like a huge project. Yeah. Because um, in a way, like I mentioned before, I've been looking forward to these episodes since we started. And it feels like a lot of, or maybe subconsciously starting this podcast was a way... Because we knew how important all of this music was to us and these conversations were of documenting it and, and formalizing it in a way that like kept us on track. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's in some ways this feels like the most important episode we've done yeah. or will like ever do. Yeah. yeah. Which is actually only hitting me right now. Uh, yeah, I know. Because like the album is such a core component of the way we listen to music and yeah. think about it but yeah, yeah of, of course and we've talked about before how this album this album this podcast really is like in some ways more about chronicling our friendship yes. in some ways and yes. like our relationship yes and like through music which it yeah. has done and, yeah. and what are we talking about with half these albums that we actually it's memories memories yeah that really they're more relevant to you and to me yes. than to anybody else but Anyone who is listening and who's still listening at the two hour and seven <laughs> as we wax mark, poetic, yeah. yeah, and hasn't um, you know fucking driven their car <laughs> into a median. <laughs> if you're still listening, like maybe you have some of those moments too, yeah, and maybe some of the these albums conjure some similar feelings, and that's really important. That's I think what we've always been trying to do. I think that's the core of our enjoyment of music is like, what can we feel about it? Yeah, you know, and, exactly. I, and I think we've we've chronicled that over the years, um, and we'll continue to, but in different ways. I think. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for doing this with me, man. Yes, and thank you. It's thank been you. a fucking what, ride. What a ride! Yeah, and, and uh, more to come. More to come, but definitely feels like the end of of a certain era here. And and thanks to all the listeners too. Anyone who's listening or has listened at any point, big shout out to you. We appreciate y'all. Yeah. All right. We'll see you for best songs next week. I got a lot of work to do. Thanks, everybody. Bye. That's about to to drop. Uh, that's about to be unveiled. We it's been a bit of a break here. It's been a bit of a break. Three weeks, something like that. Yep. Four weeks. Yeah. Um. We 
totally just glossed over a new Kanye album. It's very interesting to me the difference between 2015 us Life of Pablo release where I I found a notebook that had notes for every single track on I had Life a, of Pablo. I had a Google Doc like that. And it's very interesting. So it's really indicative of the quality of yeah. the albums that he has put out since then. So Jesus is King is not bad. No, it's not bad. It's I kind of like it, in fact. It's actually good. Yeah. Is it my favorite album of the decade? Yes. <laughs> Which this countdown will reveal. In time. Is it's So it's technically good, but it's also not good. It's not enjoyable. It's kind of like just there. I think parts are enjoyable. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I agree. Like, I think... Um, and again, like, is it my favorite album of the decade? It is. <laughs> that cannot be stated enough. I do that joke ten times throughout the episode. All right, all right. And next on my list, Jesus is King. Uh, no. Um, yeah, I agree. It's sort of like, it just feels like a little sad compared to what yeah. we've had in the past. Yeah, it's not the same. Um, and I like I, I don't need to be preached at about Jesus. No, I so, certainly don't. Although the album doesn't really preach, it just sort of like says Jesus a lot. Yeah, it doesn't. There's no swears. I like uh, I like the Christ-like song. I, like I, that I do. Song a I, lot. I like that one. I like on God, and I like the one with Pusha T and his brother getting yeah. clips back together. Yeah, uh, I like those songs. Other than that, I'm kind of like, eh. They're all none of them are bad though. That's nope. the thing. Nope. Again, best album of the decade as my list <laughs> by a country mile. But yeah, by a Wyoming. by a Wyoming ranch that Kanye is is buying another one of. living at and yeah. working at. I did watch some of his Zane Lowe interview. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, an interview for sure. <laughs> That's our Kanye analysis nowadays. It's like, dude, it's like what, what's to, what's there to say about Jesus is King? Kanye is off the rails. Yeah, it seems in a way that's kind of sad. So. Is the fact that he found God in a, in a, with this level of zeal surprising to anyone looking at his track no, record no. of mental health? <laughs> no. Um, I also think an interesting comparison could be made between Bob Dylan's Christian albums in yep. the 80s and this seemingly... Did you see Kanye posted I, on, somewhere he was like with Dr. Dre and he's like, Jesus is King 2 coming soon. It's like, no one asked for Jesus King 1, yeah, dude, no, let man. alone, no. like, I, I don't know. This guy has lost the thread. He's lost the narrative. He's lost He's lost in the world, Jake. And you know what? Hey, we. Uh, I'm glad we just got what we got from him. I'll say that. I, I think, I, I, I wish we didn't have anything. I, like, I, do we need this album? Oh, I mean, I mean. Oh, oh, leading up to now. Yeah, he's had an incomparable sure. career. Um, It's also striking to me that. The last three years, we've been struck stuck in in Trump land, and Kanye has not put out a good record since pre-Trump. And like, it supports Trump, maybe. Like, Which are like we sure cannot still? be overlooked. Yeah, like what? This dude supports Donald Trump. <sighs> I I don't know. So like that that all of those things are reasons why we didn't feel the need to do a, an in-depth track by track breakdown episode of yeah. fucking Jesus is King that and life got in the way yeah that too that too uh speaking of life we probably don't have a ton 
of time to talk about this, but how about the impeachment hearings that have been going on as a way to timestamp this? So uh, today's I've been catching highlights and testimony snippets. from Sondland seems pretty damning. Which is like, what was it? Give me some of the spark notes because I didn't. It I was didn't basically catch it. he's like, yes, to the day Trump right. told us like all he cares about are these investigations and to do it. Look into the Biden. It was like very clearly he's just like, yes, like this happened. Pence knew about it. Pompeo knew about it. Came from Giuliani. It, like, it basically all, like, if anyone had any doubt about this going into today, today should have gotten rid of all doubts. But of course, certain Fox News watching um, people in my life think the complete opposite still. Yeah, Sean, I'm right here. And, and <laughs> you, can, you can call me by name. Call me by my name and look me in the eye. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. With that, like, no amount of fact for that audience is going to change their mind. Well, I saw on, I saw on John Oliver this week. He was talking about um, he was did like kind of a roundup of some of the funny Fox News takes on it. Yeah, and one of them was this dude. I forget his name. He's British, um, and he's like he's like oh this... John, John Oliver. No, the, the, yeah, the Fox News John Oliver, but bald, old, and a boomer. <laughs> okay, I, boomer. John Oliver might be a boomer. Maybe. Uh, I think Man, he's probably a little Gen bit younger. X, a little dude. bit younger. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever the case. Um, Bridge Hume. This this guy was like, he's like, you know, phone calls. Like this is this. He's like, this stuff. It's boring. It's just it's boring. It's not. It's like okay. So that has become a defense. The defense. They're like, no one cares about this. What are we doing? Meanwhile, it's like, well, you're talking about it. Yeah. You're playing the hearings live on your network, and everyone's talking about it. And there's an impeachment (laughs) hearing going on. People care. No, like this is the, the the American people are tired of this. It's like no, actually, people want to like hear about. This. And you know what? Like a lot of the American people would be fucking pumped if he got impeached. <laughs> yes, they dude. would. Like fuck dude, you. Dude, I was I was talking to Kara about this. Can you imagine the party that will? Maybe we were talking about this. Oh, just man. like the relief and like the happiness that so oh. many people would feel if this guy either got removed or stepped down. So my latest theory. I'd be you, so pumped. Did you hear about this? This story uh, over the weekend. He you was heard like, about this? He was, you hear about this? He was like rushed to the hospital or something. Oh. No. Okay. So I it was like an unplanned this. hospital trip. Um, he played it off as he was visiting a sick kid. It's like, of sure, dude. Um, but my latest theory is that he is going to, as pressure mounts on this, he's going to resign due to health reasons and and be like, oh, the, this we would be so hoax lucky. impeachment uh, inquiry, you know the stress this brought on. The Democrats did this to me. And when he does the the serious and these and the Democrats, then when he does his serious, yes. quiet, the Democrats have worn me down. When, you They've know worn me down. They've worn me down. And, and it's terrible. It's it really is terrible. It's terrible what's happened to this country. It's like, dude, you. I don't even know like what he is. <laughs> I I don't know how anyone can listen to this guy talk and be like, oh yeah, he's got it figured out. I don't comprehend Donald Trump as a human being. I, I don't, don't either. I fundamentally I don't, don't understand no. him and how like someone like you or me can be of the same species. No, as I, I don't either. He, he defies. I don't. I don't. Description. Either. No. No. Uh, it makes no sense. And he's a bad person. Yes, a truly bad person. Um. So it's it's fucked because like today's testimony would indicate things are getting worse and worse. But like this guy managed to manages to like wriggle out of everything. No, he'll find his way out. I don't think he's gonna get impeached. I hope he does. He will get impeached. He will not get removed. 
That's the distinction. Right. But will he, though? Are they going to gonna have the votes oh, to do yeah, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll get impeached in the House. Yes. Okay. Definitely. Well, we'll see. Definitely. It would be sweet if, like, somehow, God forbid, the two-party system could figure out a way to, like, drop some of the ego at the door and do, like, the thing the, that's right. The right thing. Yeah, the I know. right thing. They won't. They won't. We're too... We're, everyone's too dug in. It, it's... Uh, and, you know... This it, is going to be an embarrassing thing to look back on. Oh, yeah. You look oh, back. yeah. And, like, the worry is that we never fully recover from this, and America is always a little weakened by it, and we're just never the same. Let alone... I mean, like, I'm happy he hasn't accomplished any of the things yeah. he said he was going to do, but yeah. that's another thing. He's been ineffectual. Yeah, and I, I think he's... Except in sparking, like... Hate speech isn't acceptable. Yeah, he's caused live. so much damage. <laughs> like he's, I mean, like in his policy, things he right. promised the wall, right, right. The fucking, we're gonna repeal and replace <laughs> the disaster that is Obamacare. It's like, dude, you don't understand what that is. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He has no understanding. I, I read an article this week that said um, he frequently does not remember what his aides have told him or what he has even said in the past. Because what he says doesn't matter. I think he just, in the moment, is like, what lie can I spin to get me out of this moment? Donald Trump's whole approach is like actually pretty cynical. He's just like, I'm yeah. looking to like, I'm just going to weasel yeah. my way out of yeah. this however I can right now. Yep. I, I don't know. It's, it's very troubling. So and I think this next year is only going to get worse with the election yes. and everything else. I, I don't know. It's a fucking mess. That was what John Oliver was saying. <sighs> and, uh, yeah. So, anyways, this should be a happy episode. Yeah, it should. Wrap up what this was be great. mostly a good decade, Mostly a really. good decade. Um, it is interesting. Some of it was real weird. Uh, let, let, let's let's wrap up the, the pre-show, after-show with just general thoughts about the decade. It's interesting because we really did come of age in this decade. Mm, and, mm. you know, if you think about it, when this decade started, we were in high school. Yeah. So we graduated high school, graduated college, had our first jobs, second jobs, um, relationships, apartment. Like we, life changed so drastically. Yeah. Not only in our own lives, but I think from a technology standpoint, a media standpoint, um, it's a different world than it was even 10 years ago, which is insane. And I think we're going to look back. On this second decade of the century, and it will be looked at as like, wow, like iPhones and the internet and like all this stuff really started to come of age. And I think we saw the downsides of technology and the constant stream of information. Um, And I think we're living with that right now uh, with rampant mental health issues, with what's happening politically, culturally. Um, So I think we're going to look back on it as like, oh, that's when like the dark side of technology reared its head a bit. Um, that That's the cynical take on it. The more positive take is like, life has never been easier. Um, people are more connected than ever. Yep, yep. Um, we got out of the Great Recession at the end of the, uh, the aughts. Yep. Um, economy is in theory booming, but like so that depends that, which sectors and which people. That, that's you an look interesting at. dichotomy as well, where it's like certain people, like it is like a rich got richer, yep. poor stayed struggling poor, and poor, yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is going to come home to roost in this next decade. Uh, 
But I don't know, man. It, it's it, it's crazy. It's I don't crazy. even have anything to add. That was no. very well put. I, I have nothing to add. It was yeah. it was it, it's weird. It yeah. is weird, and especially we grew up. Well, everyone thinks this, but I think we grew up in a weird. Like, yes. This was a weird ten years to go from yes. seventeen to twenty-seven. Yes, very. You know, very very weird. Um, I think it's helpful to remember that everyone says this about growing up in about the decades that they lived in. But on the other side of this, no one had the technological advancements or technology did not um, grow and change at the drastic rate that it has. It's really unprecedented. And when we're facing down some problems that we've really never faced before, like climate, um, mass shootings uh, that continue to happen on like a weekly basis... Uh, rampant mental health issues like these are unprecedented issues i feel like as a result of the progress that we've made uh as a species and culturally i i I like to think that in 20 years we'll be pining for the the 2010s and saying oh remember how halcyon days salad days something tells me this maybe will be a a bellwether for bad things to come. But again, that's a very cynical take. Yeah, well, no, it's the way it feels right now. Yeah. It's the way it feels right now. I mean, it's probably the way it felt in, like, 1968. Yeah. It's fair. like, hey, like, we've gone too far. Yeah. Youth is in rebellion. Yeah. And, like, taking drugs. And, like, yeah. politicians and icons of, of are being shot in the streets yeah. and stuff. And, like, here, we're, we're here now, 50 years later. Yeah, that's true. Time will tell. Yeah. I don't know. It's been crazy. And it's, uh, it, it feels weird. It, it, I think something that has struck me that you and I have talked a lot about is like the disillusionment or the solipsism thing of mm-hmm. like, of like the, the perception or the thought that perhaps my reality can be the only reality. And in some ways, like all the things that it, it, it's a, it's a very flawed philosophy. And it's one that I've like struggled with mm-hmm. over time, um, through the, you know, depression and other things, but like, the generation we grew up in did not help at all. Everyone no. can build their own world yeah. on their phone, on their fucking yep. whatever device they have, yep. through the news they watch. Yeah, that's that's such a good point. Or if in our case, your football team wins the Super Bowl every other year. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, whoa. Like, is the NFL real? Is yeah, anything real? Anything real, real. yeah. That's a really and good point. And access to recreational drugs. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that skew reality right. further. That, that's a really good point. As expanded. And... I mean, I mean, like I think that's gonna be a real thing, dude. Like, I gotta be honest. Like, with with weed, I do think as a society, we're gonna hit like a point where it's like, whoa, like because we never studied it, yes. we don't, we didn't realize how far yes. we went. I think. Well, yes, because I, I think you can say like, oh, in the '60s they were smoking weed all the time. It's like, well, it was so much less potent and strong than what we're smoking by like now. orders of magnitude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's weaker. fucking legal. It's you legal. can go to a store and buy it. It's easy to get. It's 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 becoming increasingly, especially normalized. amongst our peers, normalized. In fact, encouraged, encouraged. in some ways. It's kind of like just like drinking. Yep, absolutely. I think that that is going to be a thing. That, like it's funny because it's like it, that's associated with the sixties. Yeah, I really think that the twenty tens and twenty twenties, this next generation, Gen Z, yeah. as they. Our, our generation's relationship with drugs is going to be very interesting yeah. to look back on. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, 
Well, yeah, I mean, because you you look at the whole uh, on the, the other side of this coin is the opioid epidemic, yeah. which is very real um, and, and affects a ton of people. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting to look back on. I think one final thought on all of this is I think every generation as you're coming of age and, and growing up, I think every generation likes to think my time matters and my time is yeah. A defining time in my country, in the world, etc. When the reality is, it's like life goes on. Yeah, and I and do, if all time is, and I do that is true. In that, what I'm starting to get a sense of, because you already see it with like Gen Z becoming like the next great hope of for like generations going to save us from climate change and and the boomers and the Republican Party, etc. And I do think to an extent that will happen. I think we're putting too much on them. Um, but Which happened to us. Uh, sure. And I, I do think, though, we are in the final generations that can live with this type of comfort and ease before climate change truly impacts people. We're, we're like two – like if we have kids, they'll see it. And we'll be impacted by it as adults. Yep. But like us in the Gen Zers will start to see it by the end of our lives, but won't really affect us. Yeah. It'll affect the next generation. And I think that's a question we all need to wrestle with and is a moral question um, of what does that mean for bringing life into the world? As it totally, it totally, totally is. And really quick, as you were saying that, I thought of something brilliant for Bernie to do on Twitter. Yes. He should bat back at, like, Biden or Trump using OK Boomer. Oh, my God. That it would be perfect. He's the he's as old as dirt, Bernie Sanders. Yes. The joke would be great. Yes. And it shows, like, hey, I get it. That would go so viral. If, I like, if Joe Biden did some tweet about, yes. like... I don't even know. Just what. quote tweet his ass. Yeah. And a be- little bit too right of Bernie's far yes. left, whatever. Well, I mean, Joe Biden, speaking of, of drug use and marijuana, Joe Biden said, I would not federally legalize marijuana because it's a gateway drug. <laughs> did you hear this? Yeah, I did not hear it, but that's an example. And of everyone's like, just roasting him. And, and Bernie, his campaign on Twitter could just, okay, boomer, retweet that. Oh, that was... 115,000 likes instantly. Everyone was making that joke about it. Um, But yes, I I need Bernie to do that to somebody. He needs to connect to the younger generation. That's right. I think he does better than almost any candidate does. Which is crazy. He does. I try my best not to, like, get political on Twitter, but I find myself liking a lot of his tweets. Yeah. Because they're like, it's him being like, hey, Netflix paid zero in taxes this year. That's fucked. And I'm like, ah! Like, it's true. <laughs> yep, Whoa. Yep. Um, I donated to his campaign. Hell yeah. Um, I think I'm just going to vote for him. I'm I true. think, like, basically no matter what, he aligns most closely with a lot of my values. And he just walks the walk. He talks the talk. He's he honest. Be. He's up front. He um, actually cares about people. He cares about people. Like, I just, I'm all in on that think guy. about, dude, what a breath of fresh air that would be. Oh. Even if you're conservative, you have to admit that some of the tension and stress of every day of yep. the last three years would, be, would be lessened a little bit. Yes. By a guy who's at least, uh, the worst thing you could call him is comparable to what? Like Jimmy Carter or something? Yes. Maybe he has that kind of administration? Yes. Jimmy like, Carter. He's he seen as weak domestically? Is 
like I think he's getting a little bit of a revisionist history where it's like this guy was actually like way ahead of his time, yeah. super progressive. Yeah, yeah. Everyone shit on him as being like whatever. Yeah. yeah, but like I don't know, Jimmy Carter. I kind of kind of get down with that guy. Uh, okay, let's do it. Let's dive in here, Jake. I'm very here excited. we go. Big episode. Three, two, one. 